Hi, this is Kaylin Smith, creator of Plume, and you are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Good. Okay. All right. Because normally, good. you be ready. You were brought your game. Yeah, that's good. Okay. You go right. with that. Well, obviously, this is uh, eleven o'clock comics episode six hundred and ninety-five. Um, this already sounds a little different if you're used to something else at the start of the show. Uh, there's been a um, little bit of a scheduling conflict this week, so um, we. I was going to say we're we're a man short, but we're sort of not really. Uh, things will get explained very soon. But in the meantime, uh, getting to the point, I am David A. Price. It's true, and I'm the constrictor. Oh, nice. But no, no, you are not. You are Jason Wood, everybody. What's well, up? Uh, yeah, it's weird. I have to say, the... The, in the nearly 700 times we've done this, the number of times that I've been off the show, plentiful. The number of times that you've been off the show, de minimis. And the number of times that Vince has been off the show, like, almost never. So it is it is always weird when he's not uh, he's not driving the, uh, the, the, the wheel. But no. you are an able, you're an able uh, uh, sous chef of I, producing. I appreciate that. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we yes, heard and yet, as you yeah. alluded, uh, we are, our, our illustrious threesome... Isn't going tonight, but uh, it was going to be a foursome until we realized the scheduling conflict. Happy birthday uh, to Mrs. B, by the way. Yes. Uh, the, big, the big 5-0, quite an auspicious birthday at that. Um, but uh, nevertheless, we are excited because if there was ever a night to uh, to do without Vince's contributions, you got to have someone else who likes to tell stories, and we have that tonight. It's someone that you have heard of, uh, heard us mention many times. Uh, he is uh, an incredible cartoonists he's also uh one of my favorite people to catch up with in life and in comic cons and um one of the few other comics podcasters that i make sure never to miss an episode uh you all probably guessed who i'm talking about by this point but let's <laughs> welcome to the show finally it only took 12 years but but finally on the show uh our good friend mr sean crystal well, thank you guys for having me i'm very excited to be on and thank you for the kind words jay i feel the same way yeah, right on, man. I mean, it's it's great to finally have you on. I, I was thinking about in anticipation of uh, of you coming on, like when I first when when she, when the when the concept of Sean Crystal uh, first appeared in my cerebellum, and I think it was, I mean, I, I knew of you as a as a as a creator, but I I think it was when you did the Phantom X Max book, right? Because I yes. think that's when I like reached out to you through the interwebs, like just randomly. I don't think you were working with Jason yet, and I just no. introduced myself and said, "Hey, man, like." I'm probably like one of the only people on the earth that cares enough about Phantom X. That's to, exactly what you said. Yeah, remember that. To, to reach out and see if your art is for sale. And you were like, oh, it is. And we just met up, I think, at 
New York Comic Con, right? Like just at somebody's booth, and you brought yes. the art with you. And, yeah, right. you know whose booth it was? It no. was Nick Dragata. I'm pretty sure. Oh, oh snap. snap! That's right. Nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I nice. remember that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He and I were probably talking about the Eagles because whenever I see him, we're, we're like two of the few NFL <laughs> Eagles fans in the comic scene. But nice. Yeah. So that was like a decade ago, right? Oh my God! Yes. Yes, yeah. at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So before we jump in, uh, as you know, Sean, we we, well, I should say this for for most of the show's history, we had a, a every episode we did a drink roll call, and then in my my bougie ass decided that it was time to retire <laughs> because I thought, well, let's switch it up. So we retired it like what, like a year ago, Dap? And, and, uh, and yeah, I think yeah. it's probably coming coming back because like we we brought it back once and everyone was like, oh, it's great that the drink drink roll goes back. And then we started doing it like I feel like we've been doing it more than we haven't lately. So maybe yeah, I just... gotta say I did enjoy that on on the episodes that I listened to when you had them. I, I did enjoy yeah. the roll call, and I was yeah, excited. For, for a while, it was just like the reason I was like maybe we shouldn't do it anymore is because for a while it was just uh, Vince drinking coffee or diet Pepsi. Me yes. drinking seltzer and then David <laughs> drinking some exotic wine or scotch or or bourbon and and I was like, well, it's kind of anticlimactic now because like two of us aren't drinking anything that's worthy of of celebrating. But I uh, get that I get that. And there were times where I think maybe there there, there were times where um, we would go a little longer on what we were drinking, where it came from, more than we were maybe talking about any particular comic book we read that week. So, <laughs> <True>. <laughs> uh, yeah, everything in balance. But yeah, it's um. It is. It's. It's. I mean, we we had it back for uh, for Jeff for for being uh, a guest. Uh, Tony Fleece likes to uh, drink his Basil Hayden's when he shows up. So so we usually have something when he's here. But this I like the third four that we've done it. Yeah, tonight, right? But so yeah. by the way, uh, so I'll start us off. I am drinking. Uh, I well, I'm I'm, I'm double fisting. Uh, <laughs> I am drinking uh, an Allagash Black right now. Um, I have a Trogues uh, right behind it because this is my last Allagash Black that I had in the fridge. So I had to move on to beer, These are beers you're speaking these of? Beers, yeah. These are beers. Okay. And, uh, and then depending on if I need to sober up, I have a uh, I have an AHA uh, seltzer uh, for later. Is this part of the, um, the, the beer club you're in or has that arrived yet? No. Interestingly, you brought that up because my first shipment was sent out last night or yesterday – and should arrive tomorrow. And when they sent me the confirm, like, hey, your first order's on its way. And I opened up the app. I accidentally, when I set my account up, typed in the wrong address. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. I, so I live at 742, as you know, Dap. And I typed in 743. So it wouldn't have been a total disaster. I could have gone over to my neighbors and said, yeah. hey, you get that giant shipment of beer you didn't pay for. It's fine. <laughs> like I reached out to the, to the company. Uh, and I guess I should shout them out there. A little free sponsorship. Uh, shout out to Taver. T-A-V-O-U-R. They're um, kind of a newish club, but they have a pretty cool model. It's it's almost like like snap sales for uh, very small run, batch run craft beers across the country. Um, and like you'll get like a text saying, hey, and you open up the app and, and literally it's like you can you can order one can up to usually like six can limit. And uh, they go pretty quickly. So it's kind of fun. It's a little gamification. It gets addictive. And uh, for, shout out to our listener and patron, Roop. Uh, Roop Shaw for turning me on to it. But anyway, I reached out to them and said, hey, I got the wrong address, uh, FYI. And they hit me back the next day saying, uh, no problem. We contacted our courier and uh, made the adjustment. So wow. that's great. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so, Dap, what you got? What are you drinking? Uh, this is, um, I decided to uh, actually go with a, uh, a whiskey sour tonight. 
Um, it's uh, it's it's Redemption Bourbon um, with uh, with some sour mix because I, I I had wine with dinner earlier and I just I didn't I didn't want straight bourbon. Um, wanted something a little uh, to mix it up, and I don't think I've had whiskey sour on the show in 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 a good long while. So this was this was a nice change. It's it's humid out. This is nice and uh, chill. So yeah, there we go. Nice. And what about you, Sean? All right. Well, it's 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 a somber night for me. I am about to kill my birthday bottle. My wife got me a lovely bottle of Woodford Reserve Double Oak, which is my jam. And I've got maybe one and a half in here, so it should get me through the night. But I'm just pouring it now. Well, I'm honored that you're polishing off your birthday bottle for us. Yes. Yeah. Happy belated birthday. When was Thanks. I mean, how long have you had this bottle? I mean, was your birthday two days ago when this has already happened? Or <laughs> this morning. I opened it this morning. No. Uh, <laughs> uh it was June sixteenth. Oh, okay. All right. So and I I had a, a bottle of regular bourbon, so of regular Woodford. So I would if I was having a drink or two a night, I'd start with the double oak and then downshift to the the regular Makes stuff. Sense. I like it. Yeah. And this is all I have left. I, I need to hit the store. I have. Um, I picked up something the other day. I, I, I tend not to splurge too often, and and uh, we were at a uh, a liquor store we don't go into too often. My wife and I, and I, I always love looking at at their wall of um, of whiskeys. And I stopped at uh. bourbons, and I'd never had it before. It's still unopened downstairs. I should have opened it for tonight, but um, I don't know if you've had it or heard of it. But Bib and Tucker. And it's it's a, it's it's aged six years. It's ninety two proof. I am dying to crack it open. That um, sound, I have not had it, but it sounds familiar. Like I might have seen it. It's a crazy looking bottle because the, the 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 bottles, um, it's not not engraved, but it's 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 embossed. The the, the glass is raised okay. where where, where okay. the name is, um, and uh, if 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 I didn't kind of gorge myself on my birthday dinner yesterday i probably would have come home and 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 had a glass but it there's some things where i just i don't want to crack open just to have i want to actually have it as a, part of a nice experience relax so yeah and i had a bottle i think it's probably two years ago now for my birthday i got a bottle of um so Woodford does those cask, limited cask runs, and this mm-hmm. was a brandy cask, Wood, Woodford, and it, the bottle was, it looked like the bottle for my dream of genie, if you've seen those, the mm-hmm. cask. Oh, man, that stuff was the best. I made it last as long as I could. I got to tell you, you damn bourbon drinkers are making it hard for the rest <laughs> of us, because I, like, I'm not... So, Sean, I'm not a huge IPA fan, right? And like 90% of the of the craft beers out there are IPAs, right? So that's why so, I don't get into that scene. I, IPAs, I can't do it, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's hard enough. And then now, I love I love stouts, I love porters, dark beers, and this club I mentioned. Every one of those so far that's been solicited have all been uh, aged in bourbon or some other kind of whiskey barrel. Yeah, yeah. And good. I know that's great for all of y'all, but I'm like, I don't drink <laughs> bourbon, so I don't want a beer to taste like bourbon. I always want it to taste like beer. Uh, I just took a sip of this. Uh, Jason, I don't know how you don't like... It's like caramel and oak and... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. So D- Dap always... You know, the Dap and Viz always come to my house for before cons, back when we used to go to Comic-Con. Remember yeah. that? And... Uh, 
and I don't know what that one was that we drank, and it tasted like I was. It tasted like someone took Grass a shavings. tree bark yeah. and ground it up into because water, it, steeped it, and turned it into alcohol. It, it was. It was. It, it was. It was it, that's exactly what it was. It was scotch. It was. Um, Scott, I mean, if, if it smells like peat moss or um, yes, or chloroseptic, yes. it's it's. I I'm not a big <laughs> Scotch drinker. I I, I prefer my, I you know I like I've I've had Japanese whiskey. Um, uh, yeah, Irish whiskey isn't bad. I'm not a huge Jameson's fan. Actually, Jameson has those cask mates, and 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 I've 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 had the Jameson, um, for aged in the. And the bourbon barrels and and but but for some reason scotch. I just I have Ardberg downstairs. I mean I have I have scotch that like I'll just open it, take a whiff, and I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I don't I don't need to to to, to dirty yeah. the glass with any of that. Right. Um, I've I've had like what is supposedly really good scotch, and I've tasted it, but like that's not bad, but it's missing all the flavors I love. Yes, <laughs> that's just why I don't like. It. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's um. But okay, so 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 that'll actually, I, I that, that was one of the questions I had for Sean is is how has um how has this year been for you with us? And I'm not talking about financially. I'm just talking about as far as the the camaraderie and and being around fans and and fellow creators. How has it been this year, uh, not having any conventions? Um, it I have two answers. One answer is. It's been amazing in in a lot of ways, and the other answer is in terms of the camaraderie. It's it's really sucked. Mm. I mean, it's like really sucked. Like I didn't realize it how much like I missed it. I knew I did, but last week um, I organized a Zoom call, not a podcast, just a call with Mateo and Eric and uh, Jeff DeCal, and I mean those are the guys that I would hang with all weekend. And we just sat there and immediately Mateo and I started ribbing each other. And that's when it just hit me. I was like, fuck, I miss this, man. I re- This is my social life. And I realized life under COVID for me, it's like my social life is kind of gone. But it's opened up a new version of it through Zoom. And I find myself working uh while I'm zooming with people, I remember before COVID, like there were a lot of cartoonists who would hang out on Skype or whatever while they were working all day. I was like, I can't do that. I got to focus. But lately it's like, I get, I I just, I don't know. I get lonely. I I just miss it. Like I'm like, I need someone to talk to. So in that aspect, it's kind of opened up something new for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me because I was going to say that, uh, that the one of the cool things that I've seen is, and I'm in the same way. I mean, even though it's not like I haven't used web conferencing forever, I just never was someone that was like, "Oh, let's video conference instead of chat on the phone." It's just never, I don't never never really understood why it was dramatically more appealing. But but yeah. it definitely has changed for a lot of people, myself included. And I was going to say credit to you guys because, and I know our listeners probably know this, but just in case there's people tuning in just because you're on the show and they they see it in the Googles or whatever. Um, you know, you are uh, part of the Essential Sequential crew. Yes. You're one of the, the OGs. You're sort of synonymous with that crew as I see it, um, as is, uh, you know, as is Matteo uh, and Eric Canetti, uh, who you reference. And uh, I don't think Jeff's officially, is he? Is he part of the no, crew? Jeff's, no, Jeff's a, he's a solo ship, but he Right, has. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, um, but you know, one of the things I love that, that you guys have been doing, I mean, and you, I've, I've been on a bunch of them is, uh, and, and you're not alone with this, but, but it's been great and 
um, is you guys have been doing like those those uh, those SketchUp little you know on the live like you go right, Facebook and right. YouTube and yes. it'll be like you and Klaus and Kennedy and and generally uh, and Dave Johnson and and other people sometimes but you guys seem to be the regulars and you guys just draw whatever sometimes you're drawing for a specific subject sometimes you guys are doing uh, inking over someone else's pencils just to see the, yes. as a thought experiment and uh, and and I love kind of just being a voyeur and listening in but credit to um to Schachter because he does a great job with those like he he yeah. he lets you all kind of have your 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 space to do what you got to do but then he 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 layers in questions and comments from the audience and, and I, yeah. I found those to be really enjoyable when I have the time to, to, to chime in or to participate yeah. Jason kind of like when COVID first hit I I got to credit Jason for a lot of things and the current version of my podcast is because yeah I mean we all just clicked into panic mode because I like my spring income was going to be Emerald City Comic Con, and then I had a, a Kentucky Con, and then it was leading into Heroes Con. So, like, my spring through summer, all of my income was that. And then it just vanished. And then Jason was like, look, we're doing a virtual con. And I got on there, and commissions just started piling in. But more importantly, I, I like had such a horrible experience with my phone and the Wi-Fi in my studio, like Eric sent me a web camera, and then I got on again, and, and slowly I started building this. I was like, I could, I could do my podcast like this. So through Jason, I I learned a lot about that. that yeah, 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 for sure. So so uh, let's go back because you know I've known you for a long time now, and one of the things that that I have said about your your show, and, and as you've alluded, we'll get to that. Your show has evolved, but but but. Um, in its initial incarnation uh, of Ink Pulp Audio, um, you know, one of the things I found fascinating about it was just that uh, what, what a what an honest like cinema verite open book you you, you are. Um, you know, because right. we we I mean, I think one of the things that appeals to people about our show is that we're just three guys who talk as much about our life and with no agenda as we do. I'll go deep on comics, right? It's a blend Not of things, and I. And and I and I think you did that, and 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 even sometimes took it even to another level in terms of being very intimately personal um, yeah, about your, your your life and your you know your your highs and lows. And but what I realized is, I so much like a lot of our listeners that have never met me feel like they know us. I feel like I know a lot more about you than you probably realize that I know. But the thing that I I don't think I know is I don't know that I've ever heard your comics origin story. Like what 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 was your comic scene as a kid and 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 what were you into and how did you end up becoming uh like how did you decide and become to become a, a cartoonist all right good this is a good story okay so um actually i think i i have a podcast coming out soon where i i started the, with the beginning but i was a little kid i must have been seven or eight this is probably around 1980 maybe it's 79 maybe it's 78 but that spider-man cartoon was on uh, on Saturday mornings at 6.30 a.m. And I don't remember how I first caught wind of it, but after that, every Saturday morning, no alarm, I would wake up like right before the show started and run downstairs. The whole house was asleep. I mean, I remember I was in footed pajamas. This is how long <laughs> we were talking. And I would like pour a bowl of cereal and take the box with me to the TV room because I'd have to refill the bowl throughout the show. And just that theme song came on, and it was just magic to me. And I just remember being so excited to see who the villain of every episode was going to be. 
And mm-hmm. I was just like, I want to draw Spider-Man. And that was that was sort of my introduction to superheroes. But I didn't start reading comics till much later in life. Uh, I just wasn't exposed to them. It was probably around the age of 15. Um, my good friend... Rachel had a cousin named Ryan, and we were all we were all Jewish. Went to Hebrew school together, and Ryan and Rachel's brother were total comic dudes. And Ryan was also an artist, so he would always kind of like show me some things, but it never took. And I was this is probably sophomore year of high school. Uh, that I was drawing, and I think I might have been drawing Batman. On, on like my my notebook and this kid next to me was like hey did you read the dark knight returns i was like nah, i haven't really read a comic so like the next day he brings in this trade of dark knight returns and i saw on the back i was a big reader i loved reading novels and i mm-hmm. loved stephen king and i saw on the back there was like a blurb from stephen king i was like holy shit so I was like, let me read this. So I, I read it, and it, it just rocked my world. And I was mm. like, I need to get in this. Because up until that moment, I knew I wanted to draw for a living, but I thought animation was what I what I was going to do. And I also really was starting to learn about movies. I, around that time, I went and saw um, uh, De Palma's The Untouchables. Sure. And I remember that was like the first time I was aware of a director's presence. I was like, oh, shit, he's making me feel things like by with how he's showing me using the imagery to affect me emotionally. And I was like, that was like the first time I I picked up on it. And I was like, after reading that book, I was like, wait a minute, I can take my drawings and do what De Palma did. And that's what a comic book is. And so that's when I was like, this is what I want to do. And then I started going to the comic shop with my friend Ryan, and uh, I just started diving in at that point. Nice. That That is a hell of a gateway drug. I mean, DKR, it's like... I man, know. You're... Who gets to read that comic? <laughs> way to go to the top of the mountain. I know, but it could have gone the wrong way, right? Like, you could have been like, oh, my God, comics you... are the best thing ever. And then you pick up, like, Speedball, and you're like, oh... <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, I did, but that was a little later. But yeah, what happened was I got I got a fix for it, and I went like I was big into skateboarding at the time, like almost amateur sponsored, and we would skateboard all afternoon after school. But we'd always stop at the highs. Where uh, do you have those in Jersey? Was that that might be a Maryland thing? It's like a Seven Eleven, but it was called Highs, and uh, which is a perfect name for it. <laughs> but they had a spinner rack. And I went up there, and I, I was like, let me just look for some art that speaks to me. And I, it was McFarlane was on Amazing Spider-Man, and that shit just floored me. And so I started reading that. But then when I went to the comic shop my friend Ryan, uh, I was looking for more Frank Miller, and I picked up Born Again. And that was, you know, Miller didn't draw it, but he wrote it. And I remember, like, feeling the same way with that that I did Dark Knight Returns. So it was just quickly cemented that Miller was my hero. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I feel like if you're like if you're if you have any real comic credit, everyone has an origin story, you know. Like we yeah. all have our our way that kind of that just it just clicked in and got its hooks in us and never got gave it back, you know. Yeah. So yeah. so so that's like from that point on though, you were like, okay, I'm gonna make a living drawing. Like that is was, was there ever well, any any thought of doing anything else? I was always going to make a living drawing. There was, there was okay. no doubt. I just thought it was going to be animation because 
I, I like, I mean, watching Spider-Man, that was a cartoon. And then I like growing up and getting older, I really got into Disney animation and, uh, was like, that's what I'll do. I'll go work for Disney. Uh, it was never, I never wanted to do illustration. Um, I think it was, I was more interested in using my drawings for a narrative purpose, but I was also really excited by the cartoony expressionistic quality of, of, uh, animation drawing. But again, comics, when I realized what that was, I was like, Oh, I, I knew if I went into animation, I'd just be a cog in a machine, but getting into comics, I was like, Oh man, the artist really has a chance. Like there's such little filter between the artist's vision and the reader in, in comics, but in like animation, there's giant filters in place. So you have no idea who's doing what. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So, so what happened? You, you graduated high school, and then what? You just you you went to SCAD, right? Like, so did you just go no, right there? No, I went to no? SCAD for my master's degree. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, my parents didn't know what to do with me in terms <laughs> of wanting to do this comic book thing for a living, and they were loving, supportive parents as much as they they could be. Uh, to them, the idea of a freelance lifestyle was was not real. It was it, it, like they raised me to believe this was not a, not an option. Like it, people don't do that, and those people that do it are crazy, and they're poor, and they don't have health insurance, and they're sick. And so, I, I didn't grow up knowing that that this was how this would happen. So when I went to college, I was like, I know I want to draw comic books, and then my parents like looking into majors, like what about graphic design? I'm like, no, that's not what I want to do, and. So I was like, illustration, all right? I, I mean, I think I sold them on the idea that if I studied illustration, I could go into animation, which is a salary job. Mm -hmm. um, but I really didn't know anything about the comic book industry. I just knew I went to the store, picked up these books. There were names in it, and I loved what they did, and that's what I wanted to do. I didn't know anything beyond that. And there was no there was no programs at the time. I mean, SCAD. I, I don't even know if SCAD was a college at this point yet. Okay. So this is like 1990. Got it. Um, and if SCAD was there, they were just starting. So, and I didn't know that Will Eisner was teaching classes up at SVA in New York City. I didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. So um, I was like, I'm going to major in illustration. And eventually uh, applied to a few schools. University of Delaware was like my dream because I, when I visited there, I saw the illustration department. And what I really liked was all the desks had drawings on them, like from the students, but they were really good. And I was like, this looks like a fertile ground for creative people. So I wanted to go there. Um, I don't think I got in there, but my best friend, all my friends in high school were a year older than me. So one of, one of my close friends went to a school called Towson State. Very familiar with him. My, my, yeah, a, one of my good friends from high school went there and played soccer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are we like the same age? I'm 40. No, it sounds like you're – yeah, I'm, for, I'm, for, I'm 45, so just a couple okay. years different. Yeah. And right. Dap just had his 48th birthday yesterday, so oh, you happy, guys are exactly the same age. Happy birthday. I'm just wondering if I went to school with him. But anyways, um, so yeah, I went to Towson. And majored in illustration, but while there, I declared a minor in creative writing because I was always into creative writing too. Like I said, I enjoyed reading novels, and I remember uh, senior year of high school, we uh, I had a great 
uh, English teacher, and he had us reading the most. Uh, they were entertaining, and I, I loved the books he assigned us. They were all literature. It was like F. Scott Fitzgerald, but I remember he introduced me to Edward Albee and all the books he assigned us, I loved. And then as a final project, he gave us a creative writing assignment that we had to read in front of the class. And so I just went home and did my thing. And then I came in and read it, but I was so like kind of nervous and just focused on the paper. I just kind of read through it, not at a, at a good pace. I wasn't rushing it. But then when I looked up, there was like silence and like people were looking at me and this one girl just started clapping and was like, when's your first book coming out? And I was like, whoa. And my teacher talked to me after class and said I had something. So I knew when I got to college, I was like, I'm going to minor in creative writing here and majored in illustration. And then I took an elective in film, which really opened my eyes and mind to how film works. And I watched movies I'd never heard of or seen and then decided I need to minor in this as well. So I kind of double minored and majored, trying to form my own comic book program, basically. Right. In undergrad. Uh, so I did that. And then I got out, and this is around the time of the boom. Uh, I was going to say, right, yeah, so this would be yeah. the early 90s, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, it was, yeah, when I was in the school, the boom was in full effect. Mm -hmm. And I remember, like, Jay Lee was a new name, and then I'm reading an article how he's a millionaire after a year. And I was like, this is the path. But <laughs> what happened is, right as I'm about to graduate, the entire industry collapses. I don't know this, because, again, I don't know anything. You're still reading Wizard Magazine thinking, oh, man. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm going yeah, to be driving a, a, a Bentley here in, uh, next year. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was thinking. I remember saying that. Like, oh, man, I'm going to be rich. This is going to be great. <laughs> and, uh, and then I got out of school, and I was like, I don't know how to get a job in this at all. So I was like <laughs> writing these publishers based on the addresses in, their, um, in the comics. And just not, like phone. I'm just being like, hey. Exactly. And I would call them, too. I'd call. I never got anywhere. And I was like, man, this is fucking, how do you get a job in this? And around, I got a, like a part-time job bartending at this time. And uh, I, I was bartending one day, and I was big into hip-hop. Jason, you know this. And I was big into uh, metal and punk rock, all, all, all from my childhood on. And I was at the bar, and uh, Reverend Horton Heat sat. No, oh, wait, I should back up. My buddy in college had. <laughs> this is my good friend from Long Island, and he's as Long Island as you can imagine. <laughs> and his name was Steve Grossman. He's still my good friend. I love him. And he, he, I don't know how, he became the host of a public access show. It, like near Towson, and I don't think it was through the school. And he would go around and interview bands, and he made up this personality. He called himself Stevie Guns, and he would wear muscle shirts. And it, it was fucking hilarious. But he was like, hey, I'm, he got assigned to go talk to House of Pain, Biohazard, mm. oh. and, a new, and a new group that no one had ever heard of at the time called Corn. Yeah. 
So he was like, you want to come down? I was like, yeah. And because uh, he knew I loved I loved House of Pain and Biohazard. So I went down and uh, I was we were backstage. I just started chatting with the Biohazard guys. And I told them I, I was an artist. And they said, oh, we're looking for an artist uh, to do some, some tour shirts for us. So I hightailed it home while they were performing and got back to the venue with my like portfolio. This is right when I graduated. And I remember like they were all on the floor, their dressing room, looking through it, kind of like freaking out and geeking out. And I was like, this is crazy. And then like House of Pain came in and they were doing it. I was like, all right, so this is what I'm going to do now. I'm going to, I'm going to get involved with, with artists, like musicians I like and do artwork with them. And uh, I did some work for Biohazard and House of Pain talked to me, but never happened. But I, I learned how to hustle, I think, around this time because I, I somehow got myself in front of Ice Cube and the West Side Connection at one point, nice. Reverend Ford and Heat at one point, um, uh, Dave Plug Two from De La Soul at one point. Yes, sir. And I was getting in front of all these bands, and they were all digging my artwork, but I kept running into their managers, were like this mm-hmm. gateway, who were like, well, we're really about promoting the band and their likeness. And, like, I was supposed to do the cover for Reverend Horton Heat's It's Martini Time. And I did all these sketches, and he loved them. And then the record company was like, no, we want a picture of him on the cover. And so that happened a few times. And I was like, after a few years of that, while I was bartending, I was like, yeah, this is going to be a constant. So I need to get back to what I really wanted to do, which was comics. And I stopped bartending. And if I'm rambling and you guys jump in at any time. Oh, do it, dude. Do it. Do it. You're good. No, Uh, you're good. I left bartending and got a a temp job where I was manning the phones of a uh, credit union at night off hours to handle, like, overseas and, and, like, calls coming in from different time zones. Maybe it was just West Coast. Um, and I would work from about like seven to mid to midnight. So yeah, I guess probably West coast. And, um, while I was there, there wasn't much work to be done. I read Eisner's book on how to the, uh, comics and sequential art, the how to book. I read Scott McCloud's book. What had happened was I went to San Diego for the first time a few months before this. And this is when San Diego was a small show. And I got in the portfolio lines, waited, like, like I, I just ground zero, waiting in lines, getting in front of editors, meeting for the first time. And I, I was very, very, very cartoony. And this was after the collapse, and cartoony was bad. And everything, mm-hmm, right. leaning photorealism. I remember Quesada even put out a mandate, Marvel will not hire cartoony artists. And I had, like, Darren Alk at Marvel look at my stuff and be like, I like what you're doing, but we're just not hiring this stuff. And then I got in front of, um, I think it was Scott Alley. He also liked what I was doing. Uh, But it was Randy Stradley who advised me on these books. It was the Will Eisner text and the Scott McCloud text. And I had never heard of these books. 
So when I was temping, I read through them, and it was like, all right, okay. Now I've been humbled. Now it's time. I realize I know nothing about this medium. I like. <laughs> I, knew, I knew I liked to draw like fun shit, like big muscle monsters beating the shit out of each other, but I, I didn't know how to tell a story at all. Not right, at all. right. And this made it very clear to me that I didn't know that, but it also made it clear to me um, now I now I know what I have to do, and now what I know what I have to study. Yeah, so, we have the saying in my in my firm where it's like you don't know what you don't know, right? And it's yeah. kind of like that, like your life journey. You you knew you you had the kernels of, of of a strong desire to 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 be where you ended up being, but you didn't know how to get there, and you kind of stumbled your way to uh, to the the outline of what you needed to figure out so that then you could eventually get there but exactly and stumbling yeah. is exactly it that's what like kids today i hate to sound like an old man <laughs> they have this internet like it makes things so much easier if i could have googled how to get a job at marvel comics it would have saved me six years of my life Dude, don't get me started i, I mean i know you have <laughs> uh for, for the listeners out there sean is a dad uh, as well uh how old are your kids remind me my daughter is just turned 18 Right. And my son will be 15 in January. Right. So same, basically the same age as my, my, my oldest is 17. But, um, and and I, I just lose my mind because I have two high schoolers now. And they both, they both are very smart kids. But for some reason, they have an aversion to foreign language. And so they both always bitch and complain about their Spanish uh, class. And, oh. and I say to them, you guys literally use Google Translate. You have a babblefish on your phone. Right. Like how, how could you never – how do you not get – a pluses. I like like yeah. you. You take your homework. You you read you read the sentence in English or Spanish or whatever it is you have to do, and and Google tells you what to write. Like I exactly. mean, like exactly, it's crazy. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So where was I? I was. Uh, no, you were. Well, you you were saying you you know you you were stu- kind of stumbling your way through because there was right, no, right. Was, so I read yeah. the books, and that's when I started. I started doing sample pages. And that's back when you made Xerox. I had made some connections at San Diego that wanted to see what my work looked like after the talks we had. So I made Xeroxes and mailed them in. Some responded. These were all handwritten letters. I mean, this is before email. Or email was just starting. I didn't have an email. And uh, I'd get, like, rejection letters back, like the famous form rejection letters. Um, But... There was always something like, well, you did this right. I was like, okay, cool. So then let me work on these other things. And I would go to San Diego. And after a few years of this, I was getting better and better. And I was like, I really want to do this. I really want to understand this because I'm still guessing a lot. And it's, look, I'm reading the comics from the 90s, which for the most part are not real lessons in storytelling. <laughs> well, and, and to be fair, and to your point, I mean, it because we've talked about this on the show a lot. I mean, I think uh, all eras of comics have incredible work, but you're but sure yeah. the the stuff that was breaking uh, sales unit records were were very visually driven, and um, yeah. it is a visual medium. But right, but when you go back, it, it's it's dated, and you're not exactly. You're not going back to, to get a compelling narrative, and then that's that's right. true of, of really even even the image guys. I mean, right? You go back and, and read those oh, yeah, yeah, those issues. Sure. They they were they were busted from a story perspective, and they and they'll admit that in their in their calmer moments. Even now, they'll they'll acknowledge. Yeah, that. I mean, look, they were they were responding to the business, and they were making a killing because if you draw twenty two splash pages, your original art sales are going to go through the roof, and if you're Jim Lee or you're Joe Matarera, 
you're going to be making a killing. So it's like I understand from a business standpoint why they were doing that. Yeah. Um, but from a fan standpoint, I just thought that's what comics were, and I loved how powerful all the imagery was. Mm-hmm. But when I started studying it, and then I started reading different comics that really resonated with me, and, and Frank Miller's Dark Knight, I kept going back to that, because that one and Born Again stuck with me. Now, there was a real charm to the artwork in Dark Knight Returns to Young Me that I loved the drawings and would draw them all day and night. But young me thought, and I'm going to bite my tongue when I say this, Mazza Kelly was a very crude artist and didn't <laughs> like the work. Appreciate <laughs> the candor, man. That's sharing right there. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. But what, and I didn't know why it was my favorite book to keep reading. Hmm. And over time, I came to realize the masterful storytelling of Mazza Kelly and the masterful drawing that was occurring as well. But that that's when I was like, yeah, this is more along the lines of what I really want to do. And Mazza Kelly became my hero. Um, and I, I always remembered that. Like, it wasn't flashy, and that's why young me didn't like it. But there was, some, there was a, enough in it that even my, like, unrefined mind couldn't stop reading it. So, sure. I wanted to. I knew I wanted to study this medium and get to understand it on a much deeper level than I ever had. And I wanted to do work that I found really compelling on that level. And I was like, I want to. I want to go to school and study this. And this was also at a time. I mean, we're talking. I'm probably four years out of college now, bartending and doing temp jobs and really working to get my art off the ground. I remember changing my bar shift from night to daytime, which was like goodbye money but i could just i could sit at the bar and work on sample pages all day because no one was in there and that's what i did and i was just like i'm gonna do whatever i gotta do to to practice and get better and my wife was she was an artist too so we were both really struggling and she was like well if i get my master's degree i can teach and she is a potter and she found a school up in vermont i think it was that had a, a master's degree in ceramics and she really wanted to go there and she applied um, and she didn't get in. And I was like, well, let's find some other schools. And she was like, no, I think I'm done with that. And I was like, well, let me look for me. And I found SCAD and they had a master's program in comics, in sequential art. And I applied and uh, it was probably a, month before our wedding i got accepted and we were like all right we're gonna get married and move to savannah Mm. and down there is where i really got to study it and and so were were you from the maryland area is that like is that where you were from originally yeah i mean my family i was born up in north jersey in morristown not far from you jay i was gonna say it's uh, it's my wife and i had dinner there for our anniversary (laughs) (laughs) i saw those pictures on your facebook i was wondering yeah yeah it's morristown yeah all right, so that's where I was born, and my family's all from Queens. So, um, lived in Queens as a little tiny baby. Then my dad uh, and mom moved down to Washington. He uh, went and got went to law school at GW, and then got a job. Um, well, he worked in a law firm for a little bit, but then got a job as a government attorney at GAO in Washington D.C. 
So at a very young age, we moved down there and I grew up um, around DC. And when I was young, they moved to an area called Columbia. And that's where I spent my life growing up. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so, so moving was moving down. I don't know where your wife was from, but was moving down, uh, down South, like a huge culture shock. Very much so. Um, well, my wife, so my wife's family came over from Europe, a Jewish bunch of Jews from Europe, landed in Baltimore and stayed and did not leave. Um, her uncle moved away to Texas and that was it. So the idea of moving for her was unheard of. I am not moving away from my family and she would not do it. But at this point in our lives, we we're like, all right, let's give it a try. So moving down there was very emotionally hard for her just to move away. Whereas I always had something in me. I was like, I want to get the fuck away. I want to go live in all these places and experience life in all these different cultures. So I was excited. But yeah, um, uh, yeah, getting into Savannah, Georgia was a culture shock for two like northern metropolis people. It was a it's a different world down there. <laughs> And it's it's. I remember pulling in. We were like, "This is gorgeous," but after living there for three months, we're like, "This is brutal." <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it is a pretty place to visit, but it is a really hard place to live. And when you're in school is one thing, but when I was out of school and trying to work, it was it was brutal, brutal. But I mean, you guys ended up. I mean, for for better or for worse, staying there for I mean, most of your life subsequent to that, right? I mean, not Savannah well, per se, but. Right. Well, Atlanta. So uh, eventually I got a part time teaching job and moved us to Atlanta. Now, Atlanta felt like we were returning home. It felt more like what we were. I see. Okay. There was a lot of diverse culture around us, a lot of uh, like, like we could get any type of food we wanted. I mean, we grew up loving to go out for Italian, Chinese, Indian, like whatever it was. We loved having cuisine from around the world all the time. And in Savannah, you just at the time. Now it's a little different, but at the time, you just didn't get that. Mm-hmm. So that felt good, and seeing like people of all different cultures around us felt so much better. So we're like, this place feels like home. It didn't feel like the South, and so that felt good getting to Atlanta. Okay, yeah, that I guess that is much different. The yeah. ATL is at least <laughs> at least a major city. Um, Very much. Okay, so so you, you you grind, you get your masters, you're down in, you're down and doing your thing there. Uh, does your wife give up art entirely, or does she still like make art but not for a living? Uh, when we lived in Savannah, um, Savannah's really art friendly, and they have an area called City Market, okay. uh, and it's a bunch of cafes on the lower level, and on the top level are artist studios. That were pretty affordable. So she rented a little space there, and there was a local artisan place to fire her pottery, and she had her own little gallery. And it's funny, she got a job waiting tables, her first job, uh, for a restaurant that was about to become really popular called Lady and Sons, and that was Paula Dean's restaurant. Yes, yes, yes. Um, So, like, she started working there way before Paula and her sons were famous. And um, so... She made good money because that restaurant, it was like Al Roker did something on the, on the Today Show with it like right before he moved. And that place was just packed all the time. Mm-hmm. And she made really good money there. So she had a little studio space and she made money there too. So 
Um, I was in art school. She was a practicing ceramicist while waiting tables. And so she was doing her art. Now, right before we left Savannah, we were 30 and it was, I promised her we'd have a baby before 30. I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know I wouldn't have much of a job, but I was like, Let, we'll figure it out. So, um, we did, uh, she got pregnant and, um, that's when she she waited tables till she was probably about seven months pregnant. Okay, which was you know, she's a champ. Yeah. Um, but then when I got the part time teaching job, which was when Zoe was three months old in Atlanta, we moved, and then she was stay at home mom, and I was teaching art while still trying to get into comics. Um, I guess what I didn't say was while in grad school, I got my first job in comics. That was going to be so. Yeah. So what, what I was going to say, what would you consider your your official break, like your big break? And, and so maybe that's what you're alluding to. Yeah. So my my first job in comics was a big one. It was um, I I had been hustling and playing the game this whole time I was in school. I got to the point where me and my friends were probably doing seven or eight conventions a year. This is before conventions were like a popular thing. Um, but they were growing in size a bit and we would just hustle and do sample pages and mail. And we took trips to New York to visit the offices and just grinded and hustled. And finally we went down to MegaCon in Orlando and, um, I think I'd just been exposed to Lee Bermejo's work and, and, um, was digging on it because we had some real, this was at a time where I kind of, when I got to SCAD, uh, I was real cartoony, and I remember after my first quarter there, I was like, I need to learn the fundamentals of drawing, like, for real. So I need to stop pushing style over, like, understanding, and I need to really learn how to be a natural artist. So I really studied anatomy, uh, figure drawing, composition, and my work became... Uh, about as realistic as I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. And I was taking photographs for every panel and like I'd pin them up on my art table and study the light. Like I'd light them with studio lights and Kevin Nolan was my God. He still is. But I was just really and Al Williamson and Frazetta and I was just studying the classics and, and, and how they lit their subjects and, and all the, the heavy blacks and whites and, um, mm-hmm. I got real deep into that. So my cartooniness kind of went away a bit or a lot, a lot. It really did. And, um, so when I met Lee Bermejo, I was kind of on that same vein as him and he liked my work. And then I met, uh, an editor from Wildstorm. Lee was at Wildstorm at the time. And I met John Lehman, who was in, who at the time was an editor at Wildstorm. And um, they they both liked my work and took my samples. And they went back to California. And Lee was working on a Resident Evil series called Fire and Ice at the time. And shortly after he got back, um, Adam Hughes was supposed to do that Superman Gen 13 book. Yep. Which he wrote but didn't draw. And they needed an artist, so they offered it to Lee. So Lee quit the Resident Evil book and jumped over there, which was smart. And 
the editor was like, well, now who am I going to put on this book? Because apparently it was a nightmare to get Capcom to approve anyone. And then when they finally approved Lee, it was like a huge relief. And so he was like, Lee, you got to help me. Because Lee was working in the office and with this editor. And he was like, well, hey, I just got back from uh, Orlando. And here's a sample packet of a kid I met who's doing some cool stuff. And he was like, okay, and didn't think anything of it. And then, like, later that day, he said to John Lehman came in his office. This is Jeff Marriott at the time. He was like, I'm fucked, man. I don't have anyone to put on this book. And Lehman was like, oh, I got someone. And he threw down the sample packet I would given him. And it was like two people in his office in one day had given him my work. So he called me. He was like, apparently you're someone I need to know. I got this book. And he explained it to me. And... I mean, this was my dream, and I'm getting the call, and I tried to talk him out of it. <laughs> I, was, mm-hmm. I, I think it was fear. I mean, it, it had to have been fear. I was still in school. I was like, how am I going to do this? Um, but he was, like, he was like, look, man, let's just – he's like, let's just give this a shot. I think your work will pass through Capcom, and I, I just want to see if we can get you through. I was like, all right, okay, okay, okay. And then I like kind of came down. I was like, yeah, what am I doing? And so he got the phone. He asked me to do like a, a sample splash page. And he, he said, just do like a action shot of, of the team, like fighting, shooting a bunch of guns against zombies, which is not at all what I did. I, I <laughs> wanted to do this really cool, because of like all my influences, I wanted to do like this big glass, like giant test tube with a, creature floating in it all underlit and the evil scientist in the foreground and it was not at all what he asked for but it got me the job capcom loved it and uh so i got it and he was like look we're so far behind schedule i'm not worried about it i know you've never worked before i know you're in school let's just take it issue by issue lee had done the first half of the first issue and i was coming in to finish that and then this miniseries which was six issues i believe and so he was like there's 11 pages left just take two days per page and i was just penciling at the time and they gave me nyberg as an inker who had it was inking lee but i also know he had inked um mignola on a few jobs so i was like oh okay cool cool and um so I did that, and most of my teachers were, like, really cool and were like, don't do any of the projects. Just do your work and bring it in and show me, and you'll be fine. I had a couple of, like, jealous dickhead professors. They were like, yeah. do the assignments. So I played the game and did what they asked. But So that was my job, and it was right as I was finishing school. I finished up the last issue of my run, like, two weeks before classes end, and I was like, this is it. I'm in. I was going to say, so now for the second time in your life, you're thinking, all right, Bentley, here I come. This is it. Like, But I was thinking, yeah, the, the road is paved. Right. It's right. going to be all easy from here. I didn't get my second job until 10 years later. Yeah. Now, now, I, now again, if you, for those of you that are listening that are already familiar with, with Sean's podcast, this is – I knew this because you've talked about this on your, on your right. podcast before. Right. But, but for those listening, just because you're listeners of our show, this is news to you. But yes, so there. Let's put a let's put a let's put a exclamation point on that because I think this is the this is where I think things get really sort of fascinating. Exactly, it was basically a decade before you would consider yourself getting another, 
you know, shot of. Uh, yeah. In- and it wasn't for lack of trying. I, I was out there hustling as hard as I ever had. And at this, by this point, I knew every editor. I knew most of the professional working artists community. Everyone knew me. I had a lot of friends. And it just nothing would, would happen. Like, I just couldn't get a job. And that fucked with me hard. It really fucked with me. For a long time, it, it was fucking rough. And I know that, I mean, when you look back on it, to do what, like, have you just, did you get to a point where you're like, well, it doesn't, like, there's no point in trying to figure out why it, it, it didn't happen? Um, or did you finally say, oh, I figured out why? I mean, I'm just, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if, if you ever decided I it was worth coming I, to terms with or you decided what's the point of trying to come to terms with it? The, well, there was nothing, there was no answer. I mean, okay. I did try to I tried to yeah. figure it out from every angle. And every situation where I almost get a job, I could tell you, well, I didn't get it for this reason. And they all make sense. They all add up to me not working. But if you take them individually, they, they don't sound like I, – I, I can't make rhyme or reason of it. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I just had to keep moving forward and getting better and, and hoping it, it would just happen. But it really – and what were you doing during that time? Like, were you? I mean, I know for a part of it, or at least for a while, you were a, a professor. When I met you, you were a professor. Yeah. Right? But, so, um, I, I I got the part time job teaching at the Atlanta Art Institute, and that's what moved us up here. Now, I was in Savannah for two years prior to that. After graduating, trying to get work, and it, it I even got like tryouts on animation shows. Where like every job I would kind of be up for, whoever had me up for it would be like, I love what you do, but my boss. And it was just like the same story and it, it fucked with me. But I was trying everything. I was like, all right, we're going to move to L.A. I got this tryout for the Ninja Turtles cartoon to be a background artist. And then like I do that and they're like, it's good. It's too good. It's too realistic. Um, but I think you'd be a good fit on this other cartoon. So they'd shuffle me over there. And then it was another reason. And, and the same thing was happening in comics where I'd get a tryout for a book and be like, I love this, but it, it's not what we're looking for for that, but it'd be good for this. And it, it was just constantly hustling and grinding. And I, I went back to bartending. I, I remember that was a real, real hard thing to do. Um, was My wife was pregnant. I had got a job in an animation studio in Savannah. It was a it was run by the school. It was the the president's daughter's boyfriend convinced the president of the school to start an animation studio to create their own animated production, and he convinced her to do this giant giant production that he had no business being in charge of, but he employed a bunch of us. And then he floundered all the money. So I had that job and it was looking like this will be a few years worth of work. It was an animation job. I was learning how to be an animator. So that was cool. I was in there with my friends who are one of my really good friends. His name is Jamal. He's an animator. Uh, He's worked for Sony, Warner Brothers, Disney. He's now at Valve in Seattle. He's amazing. But uh, I got to he's the reason I got the job, actually. But that was fun just to go work in an animation studio with people I liked and, and draw all day. 
And so that's when we were like, well, let's just have a baby. You know, you got this job. We'll be here for a little bit. It'll be fine. Well, after she got pregnant, he had floundered all the money and the the place closed down. And that's when I had to go back to bartending. And that was, I was like, I've worked for DC. I've worked here. I can't get anything. So I went back to bartending. <laughs> Dude, it's just, it's, it's almost a comedy of errors. So when Steph, my wife, quit Lady and Sons when she was seven months pregnant, I was bartending another restaurant, took leave to have the baby. And when we came home from the hospital, as I'm walking into my apartment, the phone rings and it's someone from my restaurant. I think they're calling to see when I'm coming back. A piece of the ceiling had fallen on someone's head because of a rainstorm and they were going out of business. So I'm like, I just brought home a baby to two unemployed parents. Oh, man. That was that was rough. Um, but I just kept at it. I just kept like, I mean, I was fucked up emotionally, but I, I didn't stop me. I didn't like, like, I, I might have cried every night, but I spent all day working. Yeah. Um, eventually, I got that part-time job in Atlanta. I was like, all right, this is, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go here. We're going to follow this. And um, we did. And... So moved to Atlanta, and all this time I am still trying to get work, and so I start teaching part time. But I'm still the the wannabe comic book artist hustler. Like whenever I was in teaching, I was working on sample pages. Or around this time, I had met enough writers, and a lot of my friends were like the up and coming generation at the time, and were doing their own image books. So like. Mm-hmm. I was, this is, I was coming up with, uh, yeah, who was your crew? Who were you crewing up with? Uh, it was Bruner, uh, Chris Bruner mm-hmm. and Latour and I, sure. we were like really close mm-hmm. and, and Rico was kind of on the fringe of that. Okay. And we were also very friendly with, um, Tony Moore and he was starting this to do a little career on book called the walking dead. <laughs> Which, you know, it was like when I remember when the first issue came out, it wasn't a hit, but it was my buddy Tony did a book. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Corey Walker, like that whole image. Group yeah, I got remember. it. Okay. And so like I would do short story and Jeremy Hahn and I would do short stories in the books they were doing. And Clay and I were putting together an idea and I had a few other writers and Hester was always really looking out for me. And one of the things I was supposed to do that didn't happen was. Hester called me one day. I was like, look, I'm doing this book with Warren Ellis. And it was, I forget what the pitch was. It was something like Men in Black meets something. And it sounded awesome. And and Hester was like, look, I just have time to do the layouts if you'll draw it. I was like, perfect. This is great. I can learn from Phil. And this is going to be a great project. But it just didn't happen. And so I, I kept like getting involved with different little projects that didn't happen. Also trying to get work for hire going. And then I heard SCAD was opening up in Atlanta campus. And I aggressively went after that because I was not happy teaching in the animation department. Um, there were a few classes I liked teaching because it, it was like figure drawing and stuff that I was proficient in. But teaching like flash animation and 
animation in general. It wasn't my passion, and I felt kind of like a fraud doing it, but you quickly learn most art professors are frauds to some degree. Mm -hmm. I wish Vince was on the show because I thought you two could riff on this because Vince teaches uh, he teaches illustration at uh, at a college too. Oh, so, does he? Where does he teach? Yeah. Marywood. Um, he, yeah, thank you. Where was it? I didn't hear what you said. Marywood. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that would have been good to talk that. Um, so I, I aggressively went after SCAD. Um, I knew they would be starting. I found out from my friends in Savannah they would be opening a sequential art department up here. And me and my very close friend, Pat Quinn, um, we, we really just came up together um, from back in the Towson days. And we were both like, let's, let's do this. And we aggressively went after it. And I remember like walking into the interview, I was like, oh, shit, I already got the job. Like I just felt it. And I did. And they offered it to me and they offered it to Pat. And we opened the campus and built the sequential art department uh, in Atlanta. After one quarter, they promoted him up to Dean, which left me as the entire sequential art department there. And I continued to just build it and eventually got more professors and built something I was really proud of. We had a really strong program and a lot of our like higher rate, was insane like i remember like there's a point where i was like 86 percent of my graduate students are getting jobs while in school and it was like 20 percent of my undergrads and it, it, i was really we did some cool shit there but uh so i was doing that full time and scad works you to death so that was like i was grinding there but still coming home and staying up all night to do sample pages and we had uh, that's when Zach was born and we had two little kids at the time. So I was just a shell of me, uh, but I was not giving up. And, um, I remember Axel called me. It was the night of the election in 2008 when Obama won his first term. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember that's the night I got the call. Cause I was like, Oh shit, man, everything's changing for the better. We're, we're doing it. Yeah, so say we all, how little we knew. Yeah. <laughs> I miss having a president. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I know. We, we can go down that rabbit hole. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so then uh, Marvel kept me busy and signed me exclusive within a year. So I was running the sequential art department, teaching in it, and working for Marvel full-time under an exclusive contract. And that's when I met you, Jay. Yeah, I was going to say, right, that because I knew you were doing both at the time, and then shortly thereafter said, all right, too much is enough, enough is enough, I'm just going to do the comic thing finally. Yeah. And it's just weird, man, because, like, you know, to hear you talk about it, and obviously, uh, I think one of the toughest things about um, doing an interview or a conversation, and we don't really consider them interviews, but, like, chatting with someone is that it's uh, it's never lost on us the, the enormity of, like, you know, the old – I mean, we're all – at the same age and it's like I'm sure we've all had these moments where you realize that time can feel eternal and 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 incredibly truncated at the same time like like yeah. I think about covid and I think god this has been the longest 6 months ever but then I think about my oldest son is a senior in high school and how did that happen right and it's like right right so like so like as you talk about it I think because of the emotion of it I think people maybe get a sense but it, but like 
it's never lost on me that we just spent, I don't know, 20 minutes talking about a, a, a 15 year journey of your life. Like, right. and, and all of that, and all of that, that, that the highs and the lows and the, and the, the near misses and the, and the, maybe I should just give this up or, but I'm not going to. And, and I, I have no doubt, you know, I, I've never met your wife, but, but by all accounts, she must be a saint because, you know, yeah. she's, she's been your OG. She's stuck with you. You see, yeah, both she see, Mad- she see madly in love to this day, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing yeah. all three of us have in common is we all married well above ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, so like it's, but it, I always think about that. That you know, like when we talk to somebody, and it's like, oh, you know, um, like we had Roy Thomas on, and it's like Roy, like, and it's like, how do you, how do you encapsulate someone's life? Because like when you're in comics, right? It, 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 it's not even like, yes, it's a job, sure, it is your career, but but like it is your life, like it is, it yeah. is all encompassing, and and it's so hard to uh, to 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 do the appropriate even even in a long form show like ours where we spend a couple hours like it's it's very hard to appropriately like pay uh deference to to like the journey right like that we're i mean we are talking decades of your life that you've dedicated to this yeah yeah i mean i i understand it's it's what i do on my podcast yeah i mean you right exactly i mean like when you talk to chicken it's like how do you talk to chicken about his career in in an hour right like (laughs) how's that possible you get a sketch of them. You don't get a portrait. That's but, great. Oh, I like that. I like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. It's a really good sketch, and there's a lot of texture in it. So yeah, I feel like yeah. If I feel like if you're trying to get the portrait, you're gonna miss the sketch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, and I think that um, you know you you're at least the beginnings of your podcast. You were you were a uh, almost like the perfect example of the tortured artist, I think. Like you, yeah. you were that, or maybe I mean you are that. I guess you never stop being that. But but I mean you. But like you, because you would. And for those that haven't listened or, or haven't listened to his show back in the when he started, I mean, you know, and Sean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you know, Sean would open his opening monologue would be an opening monologue about right. his current state in life, and sometimes it was right. very optimistic and very happy, and sometimes it was quite the opposite, and. I yeah. know, you know, especially when your dad passed, like, I mean, there, there were, there were times when it was, you know, I, and I've told you this, we've talked about this, like it was depressing. It was hard to listen to, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. not because it wasn't engaging, but because, um, I, I, I came to think of you as a friend and you, you hate to hear when your friends are suffering and it's like, sure. man, he's, he's sure. going through it. He's dealing with it. Um, but I also think that, you know, what I hope what, what's not lost in, in that period of your show was that. You could see the the I find the journey fascinating. I mean, that's one of the things I love about uh, about this hobby. I, I, for me, it's a hobby, obviously, as a consumer of it. But right. but just I find the journey of of a of a life to be like intimately fascinating, and and I yeah, think that really is the the the, the kernel of your show. And it's like it would be fitting because while you would open with a monologue that sometimes wasn't all that happy. Um, it was, you know, also the very essence of the way you think of the world, which I think is what makes you an excellent interviewer, uh, because okay. because you you are introspective, you you do think about why the whys of things and the and the the, the, the sort of the strange cosmic luck that goes into uh, someone being wildly successful or not successful at all, and right, and it, 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 I'm you know, and 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 yet you never because like there are other people in 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 other entertainment fields that kind of have that style or that motif but i think where where i i i lose interest is when they kind of take the tact of like 
angry guy where like why not me if these guys all i'm you know i'm as good as these guys are or, 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 or you know i i'm I, i'm better than that guy and he makes millions sure. and sure you always much like you've always been like listen it, it it didn't happen for me the way i thought or the way maybe i think it should have but it was never at the at the lack of love and respect for those that have made it that your friends right it wasn't well, like Right. I mean, it it did. My my thoughts definitely started to go there, and and mm-hmm. it, it was not a not a good place for me at all. And it's when I uh, like, I, I don't know if you've listened like to the more recent ones. Yeah, sure. It was probably about a year and a half ago where it just all bottomed out again for me. I haven't gotten freelance work in probably two years. Well, two years since the Juggernaut book. I haven't like had a a real freelance job since then that was two years ago and it all kind of just bottomed out for me and that's when I had to really look at myself and and I kind of realized like I had to hold myself accountable for where I was like what role did you have in this not to blame it all on me but what but I did have a role in it and I I did realize that like I I had been really depressed for a long time and 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 realizing that was like holy shit, man. Uh, and then I started to realize like, yeah, if you, if you're like really at a low frequency and down, you attract that. And I started noticing that like my intros when I put out my podcast would just I'd get everyone commenting on it, relating to it, and be this like 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 almost like a downward spiral or just pull people in and. I was like, this is not healthy. This is not going to get me out of this situation. Yeah. So I I reached out to you. I think, I mean, I'm sure many people didn't said, hey, because I remember, I don't even, there was was one point I I remember reaching out and saying, hey, man, like, I hope you're okay because, like, it had, it did take on a different tone. And and I said, I, 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 and you had kind of come through it and you had this cathartic moment where you said, you know, this is kind of the new, like, I'm going to start fresh. And I, I remember saying, like, I'm really glad, like, I hope, I hope you follow through because, like I do think that positive energy begets positive right. energy, as cliche as that may sound. I didn't have any sort of faith in that idea or in the unseen or the unknown. And doing a lot of work on myself, and I, I read and listened to a bunch of like self help books and these concepts, which I would just blow off as like, like, like there's no scientific fact behind any of that. I was like, wait a minute, there's something to this. And the more I kind of like meditated and and then like started practicing thinking that way, I realized there really is something to this, mm-hmm. to being positive, attracting other positive people, and it elevates you and, and things start to happen. And and I do believe that now. That's, that's what I came out the other side kind of having learned. Yeah, yeah. And so now like my intros are all full of that. Yeah, absolutely. No, and, and and the excitement, and and why don't we talk a bit about how your show did evolve? Because I mean, obviously, you, you like you said, you 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 incorporated video, but you also, and, and I know COVID's kind of kind of fucked this up at least temporarily. But you know, I love the idea of the of the seasons model, and and uh, you know, I know the plan, and I presume it's it's still the plan once we kind of get back to normal to kind of like go to different cities and hook up with different people that 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 are in the city and and have a bunch of chats, and and I mean, I loved 
I guess it's you know this last season where you were out in Portland hanging out with uh, right. Food One at his right. crib and yes. talking to all oh different people. God. I mean, it was great. It was <laughs> great. That you saved know, my podcast that trip for sure. That that really gave me new life. But so then so then COVID hits and I go to this. Uh, um, it, it, like I said, it was it was Jason doing it, and it felt like when I was on that first stream with Essential Sequentials, like me and Eric, and I think Collie was on it. And that might have been it. And we were just drawing and kind of – maybe Mateo was on there. And we were ribbing each other a bit. I was like, this feels like a con. like, Because I wasn't looking up. I was drawing. So these are all conversations we'd have with each other while we're not looking up at anything. And I was like, wait a minute. That's kind of what inspired me to do the podcast was these conversations I'd have at cons. I was like, wait a minute. Why don't I just do this now? So – that's what I did. I just turned the podcast into that where it's, it's drawing and talking now and it's, it's a little different, but I'm enjoying it. And it was like shortly after doing that is when the far side wanted to put it on their network too. And I was like, all right, this is cool. This is a good sign. Um, but that's also, I've been building this thing called ink pulp instruction for a year now. And that is where, I'm going to kind of bring some elements of the old podcast into that where I'm, I'm making these, I'm calling them episodes there. It's instructional videos on how to eventually like how to do every aspect of comic book making imaginable. Uh, I'm focusing on for the first couple of years, traditional inking because that is, as you know, knowing my work, it's very sacred to me, but it's an art form that isn't as widely practiced. Oh, I love you. But is creatively more fertile than I think it's ever been. So I feel like the people practicing it are really elevating it. And you don't have like the mediocre practitioners doing it because it's necessary anymore, if that makes sense. Very much. So, uh, so I want to focus on that. And, um, the idea was I wanted to have like ink pulp audio bits. I wanted to have instructional bits. Like I was watching John Favreau's chef show. And I was like, this is really fun to watch. It's a great show, and right? It is. It's a great show. Yeah. And I'm like, but I'm learning too. And I'm also getting a real good picture of the chef who he's talking to. And I was like, that's exactly what ink pulp instruction needs to be. So like next week I'm going to shoot, Tommy Lee Edwards episode. And like, I, I mean, I'm good friends with Tommy, so I know him. So it's like, I know like, yeah, we're going to sit down at this table. He's going to have a drawing prepped. We're going to film him inking a drawing he did. And I'm going to be asking him about every little mark he makes, why he's making it. We're going to talk about every tool he's using, why this tool, why that ink, all that stuff. But I also want to have a sit down conversation and interview with Tommy like I would have on Ink Pulp Audio. And I also know, like, I know Tommy's studio, and this is something everyone should see. And at the end, I just want you to have this, like, entertaining, educational as well experience where you've gotten to look into the life of this artist, but you've also, if you're into art, learned how to practice your craft a little better or differently. Yeah, it's awesome. I... I, I... I love it because I, I I think that uh, uh, when we try and talk craft, it's it's not um, 
like it's funny we've had like when Vince is here he would he would be the one that would be talking about the but, but sometimes right Dap like we'll we'll sometimes ask people about their their tools and some like love it yes like yeah let's yeah. talk about it but but others are like ugh, like after this they're like why'd you ask me about like I don't care like why like it's like, nobody wants to hear what kind of pen I, pen I use you know like kind of brush I use uh, yes, we and we're do. like nah dude like people do care like yeah. they do yes, but like but do. some artists are like no that you know but it's just funny how like you know some but I think when an artist comes in another artist though it's different like they're they're more I guess they're they're coming because they assume that you're 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 already speaking their language right so right right you know. Yeah, and also yeah. when I was teaching, I got to know all the uh, like art supply sales reps, and they all loved me. And I, I mean, like I am known amongst a lot of the art community for my knowledge of art tools and supplies. I think the only person I will bow down to is Jonathan Glapian because that motherfucker knows <laughs> shit. He, I mean, he spends his life to this day exploring that. Okay, so, you know what? Here you go, because you know I'm. I you know I've been known every now and then to dabble in art, collecting some art. Yeah, <laughs> has it? Um, settle a debate that we have in the art community. You're gonna, the, you, folks. Everyone, breaking news: we're gonna have Sean Crystal settle the debate. <laughs> all right, bring it on. Uh, are, are, are all of these incredibly wonderful and incredibly pricey, full copic rendered commissions that we're getting? Are they going to fade? Uh, in 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 a short enough period of time that we're going to regret having bought them. Yes. Oh no. Oh, oh no. Jason, I don't use Copics for that. Oh, I mean, no. like, this is what I mean. Like, oh. I'm such an art supply nerd. Look, I'll tell you this about Copics. I will say this: they are in the world of markers. They are God, and they will last well beyond any other marker. I do have some Copic drawings I did from probably 10 years ago that are showing a tiny bit of wear. I don't know how long they'll go, but the problem is they're not pH neutral. They're alcohol based and they're going to, they're going to fade. I I mean, it's, that's the exact reason I never used them. Well, it was one of them. One reason I never used them was that I I really am very, very careful about only using archival materials because original art is very important to me. And I know a lot of artists will fill in blacks with Sharpies. And that right there is, like, you know how bad those are. Well, Sharpies are just a cheap Copic. So, yeah, eventually, yeah, you're going to have some some problems. And that's what I didn't understand. Like, when the Copic thing blew up, there were a few people that I could talk to and be like, dude, these fucking people are spending a lot of money for Copic shit. This is going (laughs) to... Problem, bro. But, do you know how much money I spent on Copic? Seriously, that's <laughs> <laughs> poor bastard. Poor wife. She. I justify every time the credit card bill comes that she's going to sell it all when I'm dead. It's going to be all blank pages. <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> <laughs> nice the joke's going to be on her. Oh I, no! I hope the Copics last that long. I do, but I, oh. I have very little faith they will because they're just they're not pH neutral. They're as good as a marker can be. I don't know what the life on them is, uh, but. Yeah, they're they're not gonna be around. They're they're not like paint that will just be here. Wow, that's I mean, because you know, I mean, well, you know, you you you're part of it. The commission game is robust. <laughs> yes, and that's why I use paint. I mean, th- th- that's the one reason. The other reason is Copics are easy. They're very easy to to use. They blend so effortlessly. Really it's almost them. like you don't have to really understand how to manipulate them. They just do it for you a bit. And for that reason, 
I studied watercolor because I was like, this shit is really hard to manipulate and control and understand. And I mean, Copics, I mean, markers come from layout and markup. They were cheap, quick, get it, you know, get the idea down designer shit before you do the final. And there are people doing incredible work. I mean, Eric is doing amazing shit with Copic markers. What he, he just oh did. Oh my this god, dude! I know that the color pieces he's doing, like it's it because you know, I mean, I own probably nine or ten pieces from Eric, yeah. but you know, he and Teo have started doing the color pieces now, and it's like now Teo's are painted, so it's different. Yeah, Teo's using yeah. paint. Yeah, but I mean, but like, well, but both of them, it's like they were already jaw droppingly like. My head explodes how talented they were or are, and then they, yeah. they start messing with color, and you're like, yeah. come on, it's not even fair. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, here, so here's a story for you, Jason. Um, Eric did a Dark Knight Returns, like, homage piece in Copic Marker for uh, Dustin Nguyen, um, and it wasn't that long ago. I want to say it was probably five to eight years ago. Dustin sent him a picture like a month ago, and Dustin could have hung it better. It was in direct sunlight. It was vanished. Oh, like, God. It was bad. Oh, no. I got out you to now. Right? Eric just did a, another version for him. He put it on his, uh, on his Instagram and told the story. Oh, man. But yeah. keep, them, keep them very, very away from light. And the yeah, are all the nice media portfolios, thankfully, but still. Uh, you'll be, be That's better. That's that's much wow, better. Wow, man. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, so um, you know, I asked you, I asked some of you guys this on one of the Jason uh, live draws, but uh, how are you feeling about, like, do you have any guesses as for when the convention scene, like, exists again? I mean, because, again, you yeah. know, it when this started, we all—I mean, because we so our 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 crew goes to we generally do uh, well New York every year, and then we generally do uh, Heroes, which yeah. we see you at a lot, yeah. and, and then we also will try and uh, rotate in C two E two, and so you know we were in March. I mean, we had all we had a crew of probably what that fifty plus people, you know, all, all in of, right, yeah, of of friends and and Ow. patrons and stuff like that. We're all going to con- congregate in, in in Heroes, and it was going to be. You know, we didn't go last year, so it was going to be a triumphant return. And needless to say, even with COVID breaking, we were like, oh, yeah, I mean, it'll be all right by June. Like, we'll be good. And then obviously we realized. Yeah. Yeah. But now I mean, now it's like, you know, no New York. And it, it almost seems to me like the idea of doing Emerald City and like that seems like very, very wishful thinking. But I asked you I asked you all this. Well, I don't even know. I think. Yeah, you were on that that one. But I asked and um I know, like Klaus Jansen, who's an older gentleman, so maybe that's part of it. He said he's he can't envision going back to cons for a long time. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm just wondering, like, where, like, and I know it's all guessless. None of us are epidemiologists. None of us are. Right. Right. But, right. but, 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 like, would you do you do you think this time next year we'll be cutting it up at a con? Like, are you hopeful of that? I mean, Jay, this is a tough thing because even when things kind of go back to normal, the idea of crowding a whole bunch of people into a small convention floor that's like the very last thing that will happen yeah so i i have a few different ways of looking at this i kept like pushing back the the oh we'll be at this con oh no we won't okay we'll be at that (laughs) con no we won't so like i'm at the point where like i don't think we're doing emerald city next year in the spring i don't think that's happening right now, we could be in a place for New York 2021 to happen, 
But because of what we've just went through, if we're like pretty much all open at that point, I still don't see people putting themselves there like that or, or the, the convention organizers doing it. I, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe there's a, a future version of a con that looks different. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder if you're going to have, like, buy tickets for time frames. Like, right. are you going to split the con into morning and afternoon where, like, you come in, you have, like, a 9 to 12, and everyone has a 9 to 12 ticket. And then at 12, it's, like, lunch break, and they get everyone out. And then that's, you have, like, yeah. a 3 to 5 or a 3 to 6. Mm-hmm. And then you have tickets for that, and that's the afternoon. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, like, I wonder, like, if there's going to be some sort of solution where it's, yeah, we get back to cons, but they're going to be a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, my hope is, and, and I talked to some friends about this, is maybe we'll see the end of the pop culture con and we'll get back to the Comic-Con. I don't know. I don't know. Because yeah. pop culture con is more about the spectacle and the casual fan who wants to go see Robert Downey Jr. in front of them. And those are going to be the people that are like, that's not worth the risk. But... Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think I think the um, the capitalists that run the conventions will be more than happy to put a convention on the second they can. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. They'll at least try, right? Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like Disney just tried with Mulan, right? It didn't work, but they were going to try. <laughs> you know? No, but I mean, like all these companies, they're they're going to try and get back sure, to normal because sure. they, they it's good. Um, you know, I I think that um, I think the interesting thing with the con convention, the convention organizers will be, as you know, they they got to plan well in advance, and part of planning is getting guests, and it's like, are they going to reach out to you know the essential crew and 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 right. you know the comic sketch crew and the you know and the Felix crew and 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 Caden. So they're going to reach out to all your crews and say, "Hey, let's do this con." And you guys are going to be like, "Well, I don't know. Like, I can't say yes four months in advance this time." And then what right. do they do? Like, can they then say, "All right, well, we're just going to we'll just go. We'll just seat of our pants." And and that's why I think to your point, like I think we're probably more likely to be at Heroes next year. Than we're likely to be at uh, New York Comic Con. I mean, yeah. we meaning like as a as a as an entity of comics fandom. Like I think, I think because Heroes is owned and operated by one guy, right? And it's in a let's be honest, it's in a red state. Right. And right. it's it's no, I mean that matters. Right? No, yeah, it is. Matters. You're right. I know. Yeah. I know. And 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 I think it isn't more. I mean, yes, it's. I mean, what, look, 50, my life fifteen thousand people, right now, but it's got to be dramatically different than yours. I mean, like when I went up and saw Jason. Like a month ago, they're living a different life than we are down here. Yeah, well, right. I mean, I mean, we're you know we're we were obviously the hardest hit, and we're just now just starting to open up. Like in New Jersey, as right. of uh, as of this week, they just started allowing twenty five percent indoor dining for the first time. Wow. Um, wow. So very very different for sure. Yeah, uh, and that has its own issues because a lot of my my neighbors were convinced that. Uh, that our governor is doing all that just for political reasons, which is the most absurd thing ever. But nevertheless, um, uh, but yeah. So, so like I was thinking, about I'm thinking, you know, if I if I had to put my my Nostradamus hat on, like I'd be more likely. I feel like we're more likely to see each other at the 
at the Westin Bar than we are at uh, you know the the, the than we are at uh, at New York Bar. It just it just seems because right. because right. the the New York Comic Con scene is it, it's such a Herculean effort. They have to have a, a machine built that's going to support 120 plus thousand people a day and generate tens of millions of dollars a day, and that's right. that's a hard pill to swallow. Because well, like, yeah, yeah, well, good. With, that with, 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 with heroes, it's almost where we're pretty much. It almost feels like the convention goers are kind of self quarantining because here's the convention center and the Westons across the street, the Holiday Inns right up the block. Like we never, <laughs> nobody ever really strays off of right. that strip of street. So. It's we're, we're 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 kind of all in it together. Whereas with New York, everybody's staying everywhere, and we're all right. sprawled out. Plus, never mind the fact that the Javits was a hospital when this was happening. So I mean, I to even move that's, into that's that, true. that's crazy. That I'm not I'm not ready for yeah. that. Even a year away, I'm not ready for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, but yeah, but like, just, go is ahead. it is it? No, I was going to say. You know, I I was thinking, and and in fact generously supporting when this all went down, I thought, well, Christ, like all my comic buddies are like financially going to be crushed by this. And again, not, not to say that there are, I don't want to downplay the uh, financial plight of, you know, pick, take your pick. I mean, I, like, I'm not trying to say like I had right. more, it's just that I, I happen to love and know more comic guy uh, creators than I do. Sure, sure. And I, you know, I, like many art collectors, we're really trying to spend more than we normally would to just keep. Dude, I do but, have but, to say thank you because we feel it. We talk about it, and maybe we need to let you all know it more, but I have been, I mean, you all have saved so many asses. You, you all have been so generous and and freely spending at a time where we were all worried no one would want a commission. And and it has really kept a lot of people alive, and so thank you. It's Well, that's it's, awesome to hear because I was kind of getting to that, like where it's like, well – you know, I I did it at first thinking, God, I mean, if we don't do this, just like with all of our friends in the restaurants, like, what do we like? What do you like? They're they have they're going to go out of business. Like, what are they going to do? And um, I I am surprised by the magnitude of the resilience of the art scene because, like you said, I mean, you kind of buried the lead there. It's like I I I know I thought a bunch of us would try and chip in where we could, but like it seems like business on the commission side has never been better. I mean, I I, I yeah. feel like every list. I don't any artist with any kind of talent or cachet puts up a list either themselves or their rep and, and it's it's full in minutes, hours, tops. Yeah, and, that's been happening. Yeah. Although you know, I, I think it's starting to slow. I just sure, opened sure, sure. my list uh last week. I I was like, I'm only gonna take on five. I think I got two. Whereas like at the beginning of COVID I filled up in, in minutes. Sure, sure. And I think Jason said last month took a big dip for sales too. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't I, – like I'm wondering like – and you might know more about this than me. Like are we heading into some really troubled financial waters coming up? That I don't know. You know, I mean that's that's the tough thing because at the risk of turning this into a, a economics podcast, I, I mean – it, 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 there is so much truth to it being a, a Wall Street versus Main Street thing, right? I mean, right. Um, Wall Street um, completely rebounded. I mean, is is at higher levels than it was when all this started, um, right. right? Which seems absolutely mind-bogglingly asinine, right? And I and I say that being in that that that's my industry, but well, I I know, find it, but 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 it, but at the same time, Main Street is, uh, you know, again, I mean, um, while I'm <laughs> 
I'm not going to police anyone else. I, I don't know that if you were, if you were, I don't know if a person out there that was surviving on um, $600 extra unemployment should have been out there buying a ton of art commissions. They probably should have been right. using that money. Right. But the simple fact is, I think, yeah, the PPE loans and and the and the extended unemployment and a lot of that and a lot of the jobs that were furloughed being perceived as temporary furloughs that are now turning permanent. I think all that going away is is definitely having an impact on the consumer in in the right. aggregate. Now again, are are the people that are out there spending thousands of dollars on commissions in that in that like demographic? Probably not. Like probably right. not. But right. but maybe it is all tied together, right? I mean, time will tell on that. But uh, I I, yeah. I I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. Yeah, I was wondering. But yeah, yeah. It's, it, it has been, um, for the most part, incredible. That That's off. good to hear because, you know, I mean, the the industry, I mean, it's been weird for us in some ways. But but luckily for us, I mean, we've never been a show that that made its bones by just talking about the stuff that's off the rack. Now we do talk about stuff off the rack, but it's only just been we talk about whatever we want. So it could be a book from 1955 or or something that came out an hour before we record. But but you know, for the industry itself has has been understandably completely derailed this year in a lot of ways, and and it doesn't feel the same. Like I know theoretically we're getting back to normal, but it's not normal. I mean, no. it's not normal at the sales level. It's not normal in terms of the excitement for the for the medium. It's not normal in terms of the the um the the, the feeling of the breath of of the of the stuff that's out there. Now there's still amazing stuff and. And and there's always going to be amazing comics, and we'll we'll be able to talk about amazing comics till we die. But right. like it's, it's still not normal. I mean, and, and to whatever extent, and maybe the maybe the answer is whatever we used to consider normal isn't going to be normal until we have a vaccine that we all want to take, right? Because I'll tell you what, like if we, I know when when Trump announces a vaccine on November first, I'm I'm not taking it. Nope. Yes. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm and I'm I am I am I am I am violently anti anti vaxxer but in this case, I'll be anti-vax because oh, I'll I, be Karen. Absolutely, hundred yeah, percent. I will be anti-vax yeah, until yeah, I see I, six months of clinical trials. I, I, yeah, I will I'm not. Gonna need a, I'm going to need a new president in office. Let, 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 yeah. let his enablers and his supporters take the first vaccine. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. good. Yeah, I, yeah, that is exactly how I feel too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. So I want to. Um, I, I, I just I wanted to. I mean, I know. We, I mean, we can go long on this but 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 he opened the door so so uh when it comes to anchors yeah because it's it for me and it's and 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 people are probably tired of me saying it on the show but i i i firmly believe in in credit where it's due and and i know i mean i i've i've tweeted uh, i i've i've written to marvel um about this, especially in their in their previous catalog and their solicits, and and Brevor tried to say, you know, well, nobody cares about anchors because I just I want to know who's, you know, if I, if I see Alan Davis, I'm pretty sure Mark Farmer is also inking it. So so don't right. just tell me the arts by by Alan Davis, but I I, I want I need anchors to to I need everybody, you know, anchors colors. I need everybody to get credit, but yeah. um, it's it's always been a thing for me, and even I mean, it even it 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 can draw the conversation out a bit because if you just want to talk about you know oh uh you know john burns run on on superman was great and it's like okay but he was inked by austin he was inked by giordano he was inked by castle right. and and for my money carl kessel's the the best anchor that burns had that 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 and that and that's completely me i know a lot of people think austin a lot of people maybe maybe some think ordway it, it doesn't matter but um <laughs> i i know that uh 
now that there's somebody here that, that we actually have right. held captive who can discuss um, anchors. Because I've, as somebody who's wanted to, I, I was smiling when you were talking about the the um, the submissions and and the letters and because uh, I did, I I I submitted a bunch to um, to to publishers back in the early nineties, right after, um, right after the founders left to, to form image. And, and I, I, um, I had a rejection letter from, uh, from, from Wildstorm. I had one from, uh, cause nice. I, I, I sent things to Al Milgram and, and, and everybody, everybody sent the, the, the form rejection letter and, and, you know, said the, the usual, you know, keep practicing. There was one right. small indie publisher that actually wrote back with, with not just constructive criticism, but also suggesting the tools that I should be looking for. With because oh, I, I didn't have any French curves. That, everything that's huge. I was doing everything with with, with straight edges and rulers, and and I right. I never had the ability. I still don't, but I never had the ability to do anything with a brush. I was doing everything mostly with rapidographs. But if it uh-huh. wasn't a pen, I felt I had no control over it, and 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 so I knew. I didn't have. I, I was young. I mean, we're talking about like I'm, I'm 18. So I mean, I didn't. I didn't have the patience. I didn't have. Uh, definitely didn't have the skill. But I didn't have anything. There's obviously before the internet where you could watch people or or, or stream and learn. But um, everything self-taught because I wasn't going to be able to afford to go to the Kubert School. I wasn't going to be able to get the jersey, and <laughs> um, I, I I I just kind of gave up on my dream. But knowing that. Um, now that we have somebody here who actually understands the importance of, because um, people may be tired of me trying to explain what I think an anchor does or how important they are, how yeah. do you how do you explain or describe what an anchor does to somebody who who may just because because I also will will occasionally get the jokes. Thanks, Kevin Smith, with, with chasing Amy, right, you know, and right. I don't, you know, it, it, obviously, and people say it because it's funny because they think it's funny, and they they know. I'm sure the people who say it know. That an anchor isn't just a tracer, but I uh, that 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 Gary Martin book where he broke down Steve's roots pencils, and and he had Scott Williams, and he had himself, and he had everybody inking him. Rudy never said, and and you saw how everybody's style changed the look of Rude's pencils as as things went on. But how do you how do you explain what an anchor does to somebody who who who's either curious or thinks they know? All right. Well, I think first we got to talk about like where the anchor came from, and like if we go back to comics back in the day, like if you talk about someone like Kirby, like the job was, or even like Gene Colan, the job was to tell the story for the penciler and to sketch the the drawing, and the inker was the person refining and cleaning the drawing. And there was a lot of room for interpretation. So the inker was really an artist extraordinaire. And I think it was probably around the the late 80s or 90s, around the boom time when artists started becoming celebrities, that the penciler became much more aware of that and started penciling tighter and tighter and tighter leaving less and less room for interpretation on the inker. And I think that's when like, like a misunderstanding of inking probably was able to start happening. Um, But then like 
after that, like in more of my generation, uh, I feel like I came up like just wanting to ink myself, feeling like the ink is the final stage of my work. Like my pencils inked by someone else is no longer me. My like my signature marks are made in the inks. But there are great inkers like Jonathan Glapion right now. Mm-hmm. And it's it's there like what Jonathan does to Capullo's pencils is massive. And Capullo's pencils are beautiful, but there's still there's still a lot of room for interpretation. And Jonathan's a master mark maker. So I see like when I see that work, it is it is teamwork. Absolutely. And what you can't say is is Capullo killed it right there without mentioning Glapion. Right. I don't yeah. see the separation. And I, um, I think you can say the same thing about Jim Lee because I've seen Jim Lee's pencils by himself. Yeah, and yeah. and and Scott Williams also. I mean, he also inked Wills, and so I mean, he's familiar with with, with that crew. But I, I think Scott there, defined that look. Yes, hundred like, percent. It wasn't Wills. It was Scott. Yeah. His marks defined that look. And and sure. I, I I think that um, I there are some. There are some artists, and, and you know, it, again, as as somebody who's not a professional, not in the field, it, it, it's it's me as a comic book fan. Um, there are there are some artists who I understand why you would want to ink yourself, whether it's you know to get that that extra pay, or or whether it's just because you know you know how you want it to look at the end, and you don't think anybody. I think there are there are too many artists. I don't want to say too many, but there are artists out there who I think they need to be inked by someone else, not necessarily for the experience that an inker has, but because they're looking at it with a different eye. And, and, and John Byrne, I, you know, I grew up his fantastic four. That was my shit. You know, I just, I can't. And, and, and his Superman is the version that I see these days. And, um, the man knows how to tell a story on a page, but I don't think, and then he went to next men, I don't think. I, I think he looks better when he's inked by someone else. I, I know what he wants to do on the page, but right, I think he right. needs to be inked by someone else. And there are a right. lot of artists who there are a lot of pencilers who I think they know how to do it. They know how to finish it, and, and whether you know they're they're using uh, they're doing it digitally or they they draw like maybe Scotty. He you know he he may draw you know a rough sketch and then he'll finish it in ink. Because he knows how it's going to look at the end, and 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 it's just a rough, like he basically draws in ink. It's just that the the pencil right. is barely there, and that's fine. But for most comics, I I, I think, um, especially with the way the technology is, you basically you sketched it, and then you just change the contrast in in Photoshop, and you, it, that, it's that basically the same image. Thing. Yeah, that that really like frustrated the hell out of me. I remember like talking to artists are like yeah i just pencil it and then i adjust the levels and i just made that extra 150 bucks on the page that's not inking but that that gets back to what i was saying earlier is um getting these ink pulp instruction videos to capture and document like inking and what it is and and film like masters of it It, it, it's it's going to be awesome to have that but yeah, inking is not like inking doesn't mean just turning your lines black. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what inking is. That's not at all what inking. Is. Uh, it's, well, it's I think those videos you've been doing where you guys all ink the same 
pencils is a great illustration of that. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, yes. it's where, and I, and really, I, I, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a wonderful exercise. Um, yeah, sure. my podcast is more and more. Actually, we call ourselves like I have probably one episode a month now where it's me, Tommy Lee Edwards, Troy Nixie, and Ma Food, and we just I started calling us the Wrecking Crew. Where every time we get together, it's who are we going to ink now? Like this Sunday, we're all inking Kevin Nolan. Oh yeah, Island, that's awesome. Nice. It's great. I mean, we've done. Magnola, we've done John Romita Jr., we've done um, uh, 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 John Bushima. Um, shit, we've done a lot. Uh, you guys did well. I, I, you did that Tim Sale one. Yeah, we did the Tim Sale one, which is yeah, awesome. that was a lot of fun. Yeah, so yeah, we're uh, we're having a lot of fun doing that, and and it, it is in the name of like here's what inking is, and hearing like. Troy talk about what he's doing and Jim and Tommy as they're going. It, it's like, it's a lot of fun and it's also really educational. We did Simonson. Like I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do there. I was like, I am out of my comfort zone entirely. But after 10 minutes, I just kind of let go and let it happen. I was like, Oh, I can do this now. And I learned a ton about my own art just from doing that. That's mm-hmm. been a great, great thing to do. Dude, where the uh, it's so weird that like Troy Nixie, it, we can't stop talking about him. That if we bring him up every <laughs> I show, know. <laughs> it's so it's such a trip. He's the new friend like, of uh, Sean, like uh, maybe what a, a month ago, we did a uh, an impromptu because we do bonus episodes for our patrons. We did an impromptu episode where Vince said, "Hey, let's all just pick an else a DC Elseworlds and just talk about it." You know, just just okay. a little theme episode. Was so the that came what, to Gotham. Yeah, so I did the Doom that came to Gotham, and um, and honestly, I picked it. Uh, almost at random because I was looking for one I hadn't read and then I was like oh this was drawn by Troy and then I found it was like his first big comics work yeah. and uh, and not dissimilar to your your story he he really didn't do a lot of comics work for a long time after that um, right. and it was almost kind of like a forgotten credenza in his career and then like what was weird about it is I, I had become an absolute gobsmacked fan of Troy's art because yeah. of what I was seeing him do on his commissions through oh. uh, through through Cam at Inky Knuckles, oh who I'm buddies God. with, dude, his commissions right now—they are fucking <laughs> insane. And and drawn. you know, I mean, you know, I got love for you. I got love for like Troy's I, commissions are fucking Troy insane, is, dude. He emails us like as he's working on them, and we're all just like, "What the fuck am I looking at?" It's amazing. I I am um. I am in the midst of talking to Cam about getting Troy to do a Moby Dick scene for me. Oh, oh, you have! To. Oh my God, that's because right. it's right up his alley. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, oh, yeah. you have to get. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the commission to get right now for sure. Yeah, dude is crushing. Yeah, it's 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 remarkable stuff, and that's the thing, man. Like, that's the thing that's both the blessing and the curse. It's a blessing for fans and collectors like me, and it's a curse for you all in the industry. Is that there are a lot of amazingly talented cartoonists out there and illustrators like you know creatively fertile ground it is yeah awesome and intimidating and horrifying and wonderful it's everything and 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 i have to say i um and i'm sure i'll talk about this in a future episode soon but i i i was a kid of the of the early 80s you know a couple years just a smidge younger than you and and you know gi joe was my thing and so i just remember the early marvel gi joe comics so fondly 
yeah. that I just um, because of what happened with it, just I was feeling nostalgic. So I'm like, you know what? I uh, I'm going to reread them. So I have I have all of them. I, I think I have most of the comics themselves, but I I also have the the hardcover that IDW did. You know. Oh, so I'm like, all right. I'm, I'm like, let me let me let me start from the beginning. You know, let me just, let's start from scratch yeah. and just dive in. And I'm just going to do it. And I d- started diving in, and it's so strange because. My memory of Mike Vosberg's art is so different than what I'm seeing now as a 40, <laughs> 45 year old art collector. And I don't, I don't want to say, I don't know how I can say it without that sounding insulting, but like, right. like I remember those comics as being like jaw droppingly beautiful, exciting, uh, kinetic, wildly perfect comic book stories. And right. and now I look at them and I'm like, man, like these first two years of GI Joe <laughs> comics were rough. I mean, like Ill- like visually they were rough, man. Like like and it's just it's. But I guess what I'm the reason I'm bringing this up is like it's just amazing the power of the mind when you connect with something the way sure. it can shape how you sure. perceive it. You know, sure, um, absolutely, and, yeah. And I just think that's the magic of the hobby. It's the or the industry. It's just that's. That's what I love about it is is just that that ability to still wow us. It's it's so hard as especially as we get older to be wowed even with music. I mean, you're a big music mark too. You know, it's it's just yeah. it's yeah. it's the reason that all of us like if someone says to you, oh, what's your favorite group or your favorite band? It, chances are we're gonna we're gonna name something that we first heard when we were somewhere between sixteen right. and twenty five right. right. because that's when you're falling in love with these sounds or these experiences or these sights for the first time. Right. And everything that comes after may be as good if not better. But it's never going to have that same that like adrenal rush in your in your body that that those first experiences do. You know, I agree so. with you, Jay. But I will say this: I am the opposite of that with hip hop right now. Like, oh, nice, okay. I haven't been listening to a lot of like the stuff I can. Actually, now I have been in the past month or so. But there's been so much fresh new sounds coming out in hip hop. That have seduced me entirely when I've never heard anything like it before. So I'm like, this is my favorite shit right now. And it's new. So that that's happening more and more now. But yeah, it, I it's funny you say that because I think, and I don't know if this has played into your why you're saying it, but for me, I was uh well still a, was and is a huge hip hop fan, but like from the whole like uh, like Lil Wayne era, like that whole scene wasn't really my stuff. I just right, it wasn't... like the No Limit era. I was out. Yeah, I, yeah, I was out. out. But that's when I went to Ruckus Records and like went way underground. Like sure, no, no, no doubt, no era. doubt. But like, it's kind of like, but it was like '90s comics. It's like, all right, man. Like, I know stuff's right. top of the charts, and like, right, love it. And and you know, I listen to a lot of people I respect. Uh, you know, one of my neighbors is uh, one of the hosts of the, of the Breakfast Club, and we had a, we had a discussion at a Christmas party once about uh, about uh, the the greatest you know rappers of all time, and 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 he he puts Lil Wayne up there. So like I I, I don't get that. I got chance. I I've I've tried. I don't get it. I just don't get it. But go no, ahead. I know. But I guess. But my point is like he he you know certainly DJ Envy like has more cred in the hip hop scene than I do. So like if you think you know, I'm like, okay, respect. Like but for me it didn't work with your point. I have fallen I think it's a great era again. And but I think part of that for me is that my my oldest son is as into music as I was as a kid. 
and he's a huge hip hop fan, and he pulled me into yeah, you and I have era of hip hop, and and yeah. so I'm I'm in love with it. I think because he, I I'm channeling his excitement for it. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, I get that. Yeah, I see. My kids aren't big in the hip hop except okay. for Tyler. They do they do like Tyler a lot, and I do too. So we connect there, but. A lot of stuff I'm just loving now that they're just not into. And it, I just got to say, it's, I don't know. I'm just, I love hip hop. And, and as it grows, I, I grow with it, I guess. I don't know. And I, I love the old stuff just as much, but I love all the new stuff too. So, well, I mean, t- tell our dear listeners, what, what, what is your, what, what should they be bumping to if they're not? Like what, 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 what is in your heavy rotation? Okay. Heavy rotation. So, and you're going to agree with this. Anything Griselda's putting out right now is in heavy rotation. To Tony Fleece was on the last episode. I couldn't be on. He was my, my stand-in, as he often is. And he is, he turned me on to Griselda. He hit me up with a text. When Tony hits me up with a music test, I listen, because he's not one of those guys just peppers me with shit. Out of nowhere, he, like I guess probably more than a year ago now, maybe even more than that, he hit me up and said, dude, you got to get with this Griselda situation. You're yeah. going to be a bolster <laughs> if you don't. You and and I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, I'm like, I hear you. And I and and he was a hundred percent right. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, yeah. Conway's new album comes out tomorrow, so I'm very excited for that. Um, and uh, I, I'm I am just a devotee of Action Bronson right now. Okay. And his new album comes out uh, in two weeks, mm-hmm. so I'm excited for that. But I just love Action. I, I think he's just. I, I love the. Love the man as much as I love the music. Um, so he is a large, large white man. Yeah, yeah you know he lost 110 pounds. Oh, I didn't know that. Really? Yeah, oh, he's he's kind of okay. like really impressive if you follow his Instagram. He just was like, I can't be this fat anymore. It's it's not healthy, and I have I have children, and I'm going to change my life. And he's doing it on Instagram, and he lost 110 pounds in like six months. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, good for him. Yeah, so he, he's crushing it. All right. Um, I, I, there's a, I mean, look, I love Run the Jewels. I think they're one of the best things to happen in hip hop in in a very long time. Uh, just the the coming together of LP, who's Brooklyn underground, and Killer Mike, who's Atlanta battle rap. Like they they are like kin when they're on record together. But who would have known? And Killer love- Mike's speech on the oh, during the Atlanta riots was more presidential than anything yeah, we have yeah. gotten from our actual president in, in in the years that he's been in office. I, I I think that speech should stand as a testament to thoughtful, passionate, logical discourse in the face of adversity. I, I don't like I, I made all my kids watch it. I was like you I'm like because even even my my son who's a hip hop fan isn't a huge run the jewels fan, but I'm like you guys gotta sit down and you gotta yeah. watch yeah. this entire press conference that Killer Mike had, uh, and I love that Killer Mike. Like I love when people, you know, I'm I'm fascinated by the 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 in between because I think we're in such polarized world now, and I fall prey to it. You know, Lord knows I fall prey to it uh, on yeah, online. Yeah, I'm trying and, not to, yeah. and I'm trying not to be. And I love that Killer Mike is so he's he like he's not a stereotype. You know, he's he's the son Dude. of a cop. He's the son yeah. of a cop. 
Yeah. He, now, now I'm not pro gun, but he, but so I, I'm not like I don't share this with him, but but he's pro gun. He's unapologetic pro gun, and again, I'm not like I'm not saying that is like a good for right. him. I'm saying I don't share that with him either. But, but when my he point explains is, it, I get it. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like it's like Howard Stern's the same way. Like you know, Howard Stern is a unapologetic left leaning liberal in all things, save for he owns guns and he thinks it's okay. And and yeah. while I don't necessarily share that viewpoint with him, I love when people are we remind you that like there isn't one or the other there is not like like we are not we are not 100 percent aligned in all things on right like, right like, and, and killer mike is to me like an embodiment of that in the in the pop culture right now he is an embodiment of of a person who is complex who can see things for their nuance and yet still has strong convincing forceful opinions and and again to be clear i i do not always agree with him like his netflix show i thought was riveting yeah. And sometimes his stances, I'd be like, oh, I'm not with that. But like, I never had a problem with his stance right. because it was well right. thought out, and that's it wasn't. What we have to get back to is yeah, respecting yeah. other opinions. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's such a problem right now. And and this is where I feel Trump has been so crafty that he's he nurtured a divide, and he he kind of like. He's like bacteria that festers in chaos. So he plays this role that gets the left all fired up, then points to the right. He's like, look at those idiots. And then they get all fired up. And he just turns us against each other. And we have to start not demonizing anyone who doesn't think like we do. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky, it's just, though. Right? Uh, it's like very a tricky. Lot, a lot of the things that get demonized, I think, are justifiably demonizing when you're talking about hate and racism. Right, right. But what what Trump successfully does is take someone who I might not agree with on something and makes them lean more towards an extreme and and in turn makes me lean towards the opposite extreme. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And we've got to, like, stop letting him do that. Like, it's incredible. We all have a chance in November, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, I have a... I have a, I have a, uh, an acquaintance, I'll call him. He owns a local restaurant, and he was all pro-Trumpy Trumpy when he was running. And his, his wife was my yoga teacher, and they've since divorced. And I remember like when, when it was early on in the running, and she posted this thing like, there's so much hate to this sweet man, like talking about Trump. And I'm like, who the fuck are you talking about? And this is... <laughs> I love my good teacher. She's a peaceful, loving human being. And I'm like, how does she think this way? But I think eventually she saw it and they're divorced now. And I almost right. feel like maybe that's a part of it. Could be. But I saw him on Facebook the other day. He posted for sale, a white privilege card. It's never been used. Like he went on this whole rant, basically dismissing the entire idea of white privilege. Mm hmm. And saying how hard his life has been. And it, I'm sure it has been. My my life has been hard. Sure. But and then it was like like all these like white people like backing him up. And then I was like, hey man, think about it this way. No one's saying your journey wasn't hard, but the color of your skin didn't make it harder. Precisely. Yeah. Exactly right. That's yeah, yeah exactly right. And yeah. it was just met by crickets. But it's like I and I started out by saying, I love you, brother. I just want to say this. Like I don't want to like. I don't want to have a fight with you, but let's open your eyes a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, and and, and honestly, I, 
it, it, the weird thing is, is I, I, I try and post this in our episode thread. I, um, someone showed me a thing uh, some time ago where it was a, it was a, basically like a thought experiment where they took people with diametrically different worldviews and uh, across a, a different issues, and they brought them into a room um, with uh, like a bar, a bartender. You know, it was basically like two people in a in a little private bar. Brought them in. They were given the context of you're going to meet someone else. We just want you to have a conversation with them. And they would bring them in, and they would each get a drink, whatever they, you know, it was a full bar, so they could order from the bartender whatever they wanted, and they would sit down and just start chatting about life. And they recorded yeah. these conversations. And every conversation was incredibly beautiful, like thoughtful, just talking about life, their commonality, trying to find like interest, right? Yeah. And then at some point in each conversation, the powers that be stop and say, okay, just want you to know, like, this person is this person, and this person is this person. And it would be so, like, one was super religious pro pro life protester and and planned parenthood doctor right like 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 but they had spent an hour just completely getting along together right uh, talking about everything else and that never came up and it was never a point of divide right yeah then the same thing like 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 you know um there was there was basically old white dude with racist tendencies and you know young black like and it just it was all these different combinations right but like where where the 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 differences weren't apparent as as i'm probably making it out to be but then when they were revealed it's like oh they would hate each other online right the fascinating thing is because they had already had that hour of just meeting each other as humans they followed up and in every case they not only stayed friendly but the they were both willing to listen and be open to their worldview, not being like ideal and changing yeah, their thoughts. You got it. And yeah, like, my point a- is, is like, it only takes like an hour at like sitting down and just being human with someone to actually pierce that carapace of no, you're an idiot. And, and, right. and <laughs> like, getting people to think like, Oh, Oh, maybe there is something to your point or may, I may not agree with all of it, but like, okay, you're not evil for having your viewpoint or, or maybe and, and, and that's, you know, again, I, I don't – people listen to our show regularly know that, like, I'm not sitting here and saying, like, you know, I'm going to knock on my neighbor who got the MAGA sign and say, hey, let's have lunch. I'm not yeah. saying that really. But but what I am saying is, though, is that I do think we're at this strange point and it's been this crazy mashup of social media and, and, and the news cycle because they make money off chaos and politicians right, just right. basically feeding, getting us to feed off our differences. Yeah, and yeah. while I do think some of those differences are massive and we need to fight against them, I, I mean, fight for what we believe in. I, do, I don't want to downplay that, particularly the I election. I think, though, there is a lot of, of – of, there's too much of it where, like, we're like, oh, I'm writing you off. And it'd be one like like if if I know you're straight up a racist asshole, I'm writing you off for sure, right? Like there's no problem there. As you should be, right? Right. Like we've gotten to the point, like because I see you post something, maybe that like you don't think cops are bad, I'm gonna then conclude that you think Black Lives Matter sucks, and you must be uh, a racist white dude. Like you know, like like we're we're, we're I find that we right. on both both sides we make these leaps now. Almost like where we're looking for a chink in the armor so that right. we can rip you right. off instead of thinking, no, I'm going to assume you're like a pretty righteous person, cool person, like unless you present me with something that I just can't grok to, you know, then I, then I got to write you off. But yeah, it's a strange time, man. And again, I'm yeah. completely guilty of it. I'm not I'm not sitting here preaching yeah. from behind. I am I I'm right. and I'm 
I was driving my wife nuts, understandably being incredibly active on our local Facebook groups, like our town, because my town is almost all Republican, and just just writing these massive discourses that that were certainly well reasoned, and I didn't, I they were never insulting. It wasn't like I was getting into troll wars, right. but they were just these passionate debates and discourse about why I didn't think that these people's worldviews were correct, and and it finally was like why like. This is not the productive path here. Like I would be better off to just next time I'm at a, a town function having a beer and engaging them in something we do agree with and trying to point out that like we have common ground. It's just there's certain things that they need to maybe rethink about because like you, you, when you yell at someone and, and being on yeah. the Internet, post typing against someone is just yelling at them. You, you, it's your natural instinct to, to to put up walls. Like you, it is not your instinct yeah. to hear someone that's yelling at you and think, "Oh, they probably have a point," you know. Right. And right. Uh, got to get better at that. Now, I don't think we get better at that. With I don't think we have any hope of getting better at that unless we have a change in November. I, I think I agree with you 100 percent because the the man in office is he's nurturing that as much as he can because it benefits him. So let's hope in, in, in November we can start at least trying to heal a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree. We need to. We have to. We have to. We can't we can't keep going like this. Yeah. Shit's crazy. So so what's uh what's next on your plate, man? Like like to, to like and also oh and, and uh, before we, I wanted you to talk about how did the um I mean like how did everything with the with the sketchbook go? I mean, I know it was a successful campaign, but like was it a positive experience? Like were you pleased with how everything went? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So for my, my art book we launched it was literally, I think, days before COVID hit. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I I really went into this with, with I did a lot of work. I'm trying to learn how to be a better marketer, uh, and I'm trying to and I'm learning how to incorporate video stuff. So I did a lot of work on it. I came up with a whole concept for it, and Jason and I built this Kickstarter in advance and had people look at it and got feedback. So I was putting a lot into it. So I had really high hopes for this. And it launched and it was going well and then COVID hit and it just kind of stopped for like, you know, it grew mildly for like a week. And like I went from believing we're going to make our goal in the first 24 hours to like after 24 hours, like, are we going to make our goal just because of that? And um, but I worked at it, you know, put the work in, did what I had to do and Jason did too and. And, and it gained a little more steam, and, and it picked up. Like th- week three was really good, and we made our goal. And then in the final stretch, we like I think our goal was we made our goal quick. Actually, yeah, I'm thinking I'm remembering this wrong. We made our goal in the first day, but I had a goal in my head I was trying to reach. That's right, what it was. right. So our goal, no, no, I'm mixing up my ink pulp instruction. Our goal was <laughs> our goal. I think was ten. Thousand, yeah, yeah, it was ten thousand. I'm right about that. So, I thought we'd make that in the first day or two, and then like week three, we hit it, and then in the end, I think we hit almost twelve. So I was like, all right, we made it. We're good. Like, I went from like I want to have a gangbusters campaign. Like after seeing what Mafu just did, I was like coming off the high of seeing what he just did. I was like, we're gonna do awesome too, and. I, so I went from like that, and then instead of getting all down and disappointed that we weren't performing like that, I, I was just like, get it. as we hit our goal, I was like, all right, well, we made our goal. So 
we're going to make some coin here. We're going to have a nice book. We got some cool merch. It's all good. And, and in the end, it, it did – It like I said, I think we hit like close to 12. And I'm really happy with the book, with how it printed, with the format, with with everything – I think I think it's a great little package. Granted, the work is old now, and I don't like looking at it so much. But oh, really? I, that's that's yeah. I guess that's the tortured artist in you. But uh, well, cause no, I I, I I think it came out great, man. I really yeah. Do. No, I stand by it. I just what happened to me as an artist um, towards the end of of like the work that I collected in there. I I feel like I kind of I I. I feel like, I don't know how to say it. I, I found myself. I mean, I was always myself, but I, I felt comfortable in who I was as an artist. I felt like I, I had I, I had reached my early adulthood, I guess is how to put it. I was no longer in my adolescence. So still developing, sure, but I, I am who I know who I am now and it's refined enough. So I feel like the work I'm doing now is all like on a level I'm very proud of. Whereas I feel like the work when I look through the book, I'm proud of it, but I see like I'm figuring something out there. I'm figuring something out there. It's not quite there yet, but I'm getting there. Now I can look at my work, be like, all right, I'm figuring something out, but I can still step back and be proud of the whole piece. So I'm excited for the next one. But yeah, I, I think it's a really... It's far better than the work in the first book, and I think the first book is great too, the the represent book. Yeah. So I mean, and this is drip the, the art of Sean Crystal. We're right. Talking about. Um, yeah. Can can people get because I I backed up Kickstarter, but can people get copies of it? Yeah, um, yeah. We so we printed. Um, I think in the end we printed three hundred, and our Kickstarter sold two hundred. So we've got yeah. about a hundred left, and they're available on EssentialSequential.com. Nice, nice, for sure. So, so, uh, so, yeah. So, what, um, what, what else is coming up on the podcast? I, I assume, um, you know, again, not anytime necessarily in the next few months, but you're, in addition to the instructional stuff, you will get back to doing the the kind of the road trip seasonals if you can safely travel places. I mean, I think that'd be at least still an intermediate goal. I hope so because I, I love the idea of those. Yeah. So that I'm, I'm trying to figure out. I mean, right now the podcast is, is YouTube only and it's all video from me, from my studio drawing with other creators and rappers that I have on. But my hope is to get back to like, not to get away from what I'm doing now. Like my goal with the YouTube channel was to have different formats. So I'll have the one where me and my boys are inking someone. <clears throat> I'll have the one-on-ones where we're drawing and talking. I'll have the me and Mafu talking to someone. I'll have some where it's just me inking like a commission entirely, speed up the footage and talk over it. And then the, the last incarnation I want to see happen is what you just said, but it will be a video component. So I'll do my normal sit-down interviews, but and I'm not sure which how it'll work. I'll probably do a few of each, where it's just me and whoever I'm interviewing sitting with like two cameras filming us, so I can switch angles. Or it'll be like, let's say, um, 
pick an artist. I don't, I don't know. Who, who would I talk to? Troy Nixie. Okay. So, all right, good one. Good one. So let's say it's Troy. Say I'm in Canada and I'm collecting a bunch and I go to Troy. So <clears throat> I'll sit down with Troy in his studio. We'll do a few questions and have like a 20-minute chat there. Then I'll be like, Troy, you have a pub you really like here? Yeah, I'd love to get a beer at this place. All right, then we'll go there during an off time, set up the cameras, do another 20-minute or a continuation of where we were so that we're changing locations based on the life and interests of that artist. Love it. So that, that that's something I'm, I'm thinking about. Love it. Definitely getting into when I can. But like right now, Ink Pulp Instruction has me traveling, but those trips are just filming those videos. Yeah, yeah. And they will have those components in, in the episode, like the interview components in there. But I do want to do trips of just recording podcasts for sure like that. For sure. And, I mean, people can find it at youtube.com uh, backslash inkpulp, I-N-K-P-U-L-P. Yes, we finally got that that landing address, which is great. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, what, uh, you know, we... we, we Sometimes we almost forget all the people we've talked to over the years. Any in, in all of your chats with any anything that like you would say was like uh, uh, maybe the answer's shaken, but like we were like an, anyone that like meant meant a ton to you because you couldn't believe like you had the chance to sit down and chat with them, or because I know most of the people you chat with are like buddies, so it's probably more. Yeah, of a... but even though they're buddies, I, I mean, like I still don't understand how I'm buddies with Klaus Jansen. Like I said, like. <laughs> half the reason I'm doing this. I read The Dark Knight Returns, and here I am friendly with him. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, definitely, I, I do geek out on most anyone I have on there. But uh, Elmore Leonard was really big for me. Oh, God, yeah, I can imagine. Because being such a lover of books and him being my favorite author, mm-hmm. that was, I think I even recorded myself uh, in between the interview when we changed location, just like nerding out entirely. Mm, I bet I would probably throw up if I had the chance to interview Stephen King. Like I would probably puke. Right? Yeah. So yeah. that was uh, that was great. Uh, uh, DMC was another great one where I nerded out pretty hard. That I, I got that one. Um, Chaken was. I mean, yeah, Chaken was great from a nerd perspective, but also just as a conversationalist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we've never had him on the show, but we've uh, not for lack of effort. But we've we've chatted with him at cons, and he's just another one of those guys. That just he's a great storyteller, just as a human being. He just yeah, he he's, really he's is. naturally naturally just engaging in the way he speaks. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm just trying. I've recorded so many. There have been some that got really personal uh, in a good way, and I really connected with the guest and. Uh, that was just the most amazing experience. Um, I'm trying to think of which ones. I should probably pull them up and look at them. But uh, I know there were some that that uh, where it got hard to talk uh, at, at different points, and and mm-hmm. the guest was being very open, and uh, I connected with them. Like that's just a really personal experience um, that. That uh, I don't know. I, I can't explain unless unless you're part of it. Mm-hmm. I'm just running down, trying to think. Um, 
Yeah, I'm looking. I don't know, man. I can't believe how many I've done. Yeah, you've done a shitload. Not as many as you guys. Not nearly as many. Well, no, but because again, remember, we don't. You know, we're not really an interview show. I mean, it's ironic, it's ironic to say that in the middle of an interview. But um, you know, I mean, we we do six episodes a month and have so we we're almost at seven hundred episodes. But but right. I mean, yeah, what maybe do maybe one. Well, maybe we have a guest twice a month. I mean, but not every month. So no, yeah, right. no, yeah, yeah. So it's probably ten to fifteen percent of our episodes have had a guest of some kind, and um, so you know, so that's on, that's only really, even though it feels like a lot, that's only. I mean, it's less. We've had less than one hundred and fifty guests. I mean, I would say. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, Hester was a big one. A because of my history with him and my respect for him, but also because of his life scare that he just survived and yeah. talked about. We actually had him on almost a year ago today. We had yeah, him on in September of last one. year. Listen yeah. That yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, I remember your chat with Becky Cloonan being quite insightful because I yeah. didn't know much about Becky. Um, I mean, I was always a big fan of her work, but I didn't know much about her. I'd never heard her do many, many much press, so I really enjoyed yeah, that one. I didn't know Becky that well. We were friendly, but I didn't know her mm-hmm. that well. That was, a real, that was an example where the podcast interview created a friendship that, that nice. went too deep. And we're, we're close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's like Francis Manipal's was incredible because he told the story I don't think I knew anything about um, or maybe I did I don't remember but it was where um, him and his wife were his I think they were at a wedding and there, it was like in like it wasn't Vegas but it was a gambling town and someone broke into their room while they were in there thinking they had just won like $300,000 and were intent on harming both of them. And Francis fought them both off. It was a brutal, like, like, yeah, he's had a crazy life. I mean, yeah. 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 So that was great. Is he, I mean, is he working in comics right now or what is he? Like, I don't, yeah, he's got a book with Scott Snyder. They're going to like a, like an image book they're doing. I know that. Okay. That's coming out. Um, Cameron Stewart was real candid with me. That was a really good interview too. I don't remember that one, but I mean, that's talk about, uh, that's one of those ones now I'd be interested to go back and re-listen to it. Yeah, that was uh, season four. Yeah, season four. But I mean, like with everything that's happened, you want to like, go back and... Right, you know, right, so, right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that one was good. Uh, Wilfredo Torres, after his wife had just passed. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was a real emotional one, but, but a really... Really interesting. How's he doing, by the way? I mean, I, I I saw him at Heroes that year and and wished him condolences. Oh, but he's I, happily married to an. Oh, he's remarried. Or, okay. Yeah, okay. I went to his wedding. Oh uh, wow! It was probably about a year, uh, probably about two years ago now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that good. Was, good for him. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, uh, Bob. Like the the ones I did in Portland are are so awesome and close to me like getting shrek to hear like the history of comics from shrek was dude the story he told about being butt naked when his house catches on fire yes i was like oh my lord like what's going on that dude's had a life yeah and i loved getting brandon graham on there that was a great one and bendis like going to bendis's house and recording with him by a by a, a, a fi- outdoor fireplace. Was Amazing. he super cool? He sounded like he was real nice to you on the show. I could, but he, he, was, he was super, cool? super nice to me, man. Yeah. Like, How's his crib? I, is it fat? That crib? Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> your crib's fat. Um, his house is beautiful. It's beautiful. 
It is. I, I got to see a picture of this. I, I'm trying to. I'm trying. I've, I've been, been to Senvi. I don't know if his crib. I don't know, I don't know if my crib rates or not. I got to see it. Oh my God, Jason, your house is probably four times bigger than his house from what I've seen. Um, this know. is nice. It's it's a really nice house, but I, I think well, it's well appointed. I'm sure. As they yeah, say. yeah. Yours is a, uh, a showstopper compared to his. I think. Nah, I don't know about all that. I'm very humble about Anyway. Anywho, this isn't about me, y'all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, the, I love the Shrek one because, again, like I, I like the ones where it's people that don't do the circuit, right? Like, no, no disrespect at all because I thought the Bendis chat was fun and, and he was really nice to you. But, like, you know, Bendis does like the sound of his own voice. So he is, yeah. obviously does yeah. the word balloon thing two, three right. times a year. And so right. – um, uh, you know, and then and then if you've had people on your show that we've had too, so I'm like, okay, well, I, I kind of I already know about them, but I like it when it's someone that I just feel like either because they're unwilling or just never approached to do uh, you know, a more traditional press interview, get the chance to talk. Okay. You know, I really like the Brandon Graham one because I I got love for Brandon. He was on our show years ago, yeah, um, before yeah. he had kind of the whole you know debacle that kind of sent him into. The, the the shadows for a while and it's great to see him coming back out and yeah, um, yeah. I've actually exchanged some words. We're, here's a little weird funny thing about that. I reached out to him after you did your show with him actually, uh, and I said, "Hey man, you know, I heard you on Sean's show. It was great to hear you back, and I really appreciated your candor and how open and honest you are about everything. And it seems like you're in a good place." I'm like, I don't know if you remember, you know, you came on our show years ago, and he hit me back immediately. He said he was very you know very grateful for the kind words, but he he actually said weirdly enough. He has been a regular listener of our show for years because um, his girlfriend is like a diehard fan of ours, and, oh, he, that's and awesome. so she and she and he she was like she remembered him on our show when they first met, like at some place, and then oh, wow. so yeah, so he's actually doing a commission for me right now. Oh, I can't, that's great. He's I, I can't wait. He's a brilliant uh, cartoonist. He, yeah, he was... I just bought uh, two pages from King City, um, oh, nice. and so I'm pretty stoked. I I, I love his work so. Yeah, I yeah. think Klaus might be one of my favorites because uh, of who he is in in terms of like importance to me getting like wanting to do this, but also in uh, in terms of how personable he is. Like to me, like just the fact that he spoke to me, like like we had part of the conversation as as a teacher to a teacher, and he spoke with utter like respect like just treating me on his level which isn't necessary and not true but so true it just lets you know who he is he's just such a kind human yeah yeah i mean i found out even just being a, a participant in one of your guys sessions the one where the uh the blm stuff for the charity and i i got to ask him uh, what it was like doing Dark Knight, and if they knew it was a hit, and you know, just to to, yeah. to have a book like that to find you, and then for him to say, "No, we had no idea. Like, <laughs> I had no clue. Yeah. It's like yeah. I knew it was good work. I knew we did good work on it, but I had no idea it was going to be a cultural phenomenon until until you know until until after the fact. So, yeah, yeah. Like when I was in New York in January, like I went out to lunch with him. He invited me to his apartment. Like I got to see a studio. Like. That that's just surreal to me, <laughs> so surreal. Yeah, that's awesome. That's the that's one of the best things about this this industry is that um, it is a pretty flat structure, right? I mean, you 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 can you can 
befriend your heroes. You can yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, um, yeah, yeah, that's pretty. You have some some of the most arrogant artists who are closed off, who are good, but some of the legend, a lot of the legends are, are not like that at all. Yeah, I mean, we were shitting our pants with the Roy Thomas thing because we yeah, that's amazing. we don't we don't ever get we don't fanboy out ever. I mean especially at this point, but, but I mean, Roy Thomas was such a different thing for us because it's fucking Roy Thomas. I mean, like, it's like, <laughs> you know, um, and we only had him for dad. What do we have him for? Like and half, not even an hour, not even an hour. hour. Yeah. 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 And, um, so it was just, it was so surreal because he was so polite and, but also a storyteller. And normally that's great. Like if we have someone on the show for a regular show and it's open-ended and it can be, Two and a half, three hours. That's awesome. Like that's the kind of a person we want to be on the show. But, but when we knew we only had a hard stop in an hour, and and we'd ask him a question, and he'd go on a fifteen minute story about it. It was great. But like we're sitting there sweating because we're like, oh man, like, are we even going to each get? To, I mean, we were worried we were we weren't even gonna, each going to get to ask him a single question. You know, we were, we were like, right, gonna, right. Um, so it's just one of those guys. I mean, we're desperate to have him back for a. We feel like we now that we've proven ourselves to him and his his manager that we can maybe hopefully have him back on for a a regular chat like this where we can just just have a conversation without having a a clock uh, ticking in our ear and, and making us nervous about getting through things. So right, right, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. right on. I mean, um, I, much love. I'm glad you finally were able to come on. And, yeah, uh, thank you, thank you for having me. It was great. What uh, aside from anything else you want to you want to show some love to? I mean, um, I mean, obviously essential, sequential for for if and when you. Uh, I guess the Jason will let people know if you have a like when and if your commission list open through through his his yeah. Uh, his, Mike, yeah. I opened it last week. It's open right now. I've got a, a few slots left. I'm gonna close it soon just because I have some stuff coming up. I gotta. I'm gonna have to crank on, but it's up now on. Like if you go to Essential Sequential, there's a, a commissions uh, like drop down. You can click on commissions or click on me. It's it's uh it's in there. Nice. And it's okay. All right, man. So yeah, yeah. Much love to you and your 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 family. Isn't your oldest uh, college bound? Is that? Or, yeah. They... She well, she's at home doing college right now. Oh, it's virtual. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which is not not great. I, it's I mean, weird, right? It's super. Yeah, weird. I mean, I understand it. It makes mm-hmm. sense, but it's she's. It's not. It's not good. <laughs> was well, she supposed to be going significantly far away or no? No, no, she was going close. Um, uh, the idea was, uh, it, it's it's only like, it, it's University of North Georgia, and they have they have a few campuses. One campus that's like real close to us, like a fifteen minute drive. And the main campus is like a half-hour drive, so okay. neither which is far. But she was going to the close campus for the first year and was going to live at home. And then second year, go finish on campus. She's doing a two-year degree. I got it. Okay. So, but the problem is she's at home all day while I'm at work, my wife's at work, my son's at school, and she's just at home. Like, she's not going to a classroom. Yeah. And – uh it makes it easy to fuck off a bit. It's tough, man. I mean, I, I it, it's like you said, it's a journey. I, I our, our kids actually, believe it or not, didn't, uh, they actually went back to school today. Today was the first day back. Uh, oh, wow. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be bizarre, man. Like it's, it's this virtual model where 
today they were all on Zoom all day, and then tomorrow they go into school. Yeah. Um, and and it's yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, all all we can do is deal with what we're the hand that we're dealt. But uh, but it's it's going to be weird. Exactly, exactly. I yeah. mean, yeah, it's crazy that uh, I mean, I, I put this ink pulp instruction thing started building it a year ago, and like now when I'm dropping it, it seems like a landscape where it might do well. Like, yeah. I hope so, man. Yeah. Yeah, me yeah. Too. Is there anything more you want to talk about that? Like, I mean, is it right now? Is it just the videos, or like, is is there a service set up where people can like? Is it? So is it... what I'm doing is the first three episodes I'm mm-hmm. going to release through um, in Indiegogo campaigns, uh, and, and I'm doing that because I find those platforms to be as good for marketing as they are for sales. Mm-hmm. So it's to build brand awareness. Like mine will be first, Kinetti's will be second. And then I'll do Ma Foods. And then after that, I'm going to release them all on, and I'm working this out, probably a website I'm building or on some platform where where you'll pay for access to it. Got it. Okay, cool. But I'm launching the Indiegogo for mine on October 1st. So that's what and, I've been And why Indiegogo versus Kickstarter? Uh, I'm going Indiegogo because... It runs twice as long, so it gives me twice as long to raise awareness. But they also take a smaller cut okay. of it. So I've done Kickstarter, and I know what that's like. And I've like my new attitude is just try things and learn from them. So even if they don't go as good, you've learned something from it. So mm-hmm. I figured if they take less money and I can run it longer, let me try that. Right on. Okay. Cool. Well, when uh, when it's up and running, man, let us know. We'll we'll make sure we shout it out. I will. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Right on. Well, all right. Well, thanks so much, man, and uh, much love to you and all the crew. And uh, we're actually supposed to be having Teo on soon because uh, every oh, time awesome. I see him at a con, I'm like, we do the show, and he's like, I'd love to do the show, and then we never make it happen. But while yeah, the COVID's still happening, happen. we kind of make it happen. So yeah, you gotta make it happen. He's awesome. <laughs> so we'll have both Fratelli brothers on finally. Yes, yes, the Fratelli Brothers. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, man. Well, have a great night. Thanks again. All right. Thank you, fellas. I Thanks, appreciate Sean. it. Great talking to you. Peace out. All right. See you guys. All right. That was great. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's honest to got a good dude, too. Yep. Totally. Natural storyteller. Absolutely. Nice, boo! I gotta tell you, man. I don't know. Did, did you read the GI Joe comic back in the day? I forget. Oh yes, oh yes. I had the oversized Treasury Edition reprint did, of did the you, first issue. You, so do do you? Are you feeling what I'm feeling with the Vosburg? Or are you still? I'd have to, you know, because I, I am, I'm a Vosburg fan, and and I knew, but like when I think of GI Joe now. I think of 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 Trimpy, I think of Vosberg, I think of Rod Wiggum. Um and it's hard for me to to think about those artists doing other things and I know Vosberg has done other things, he did things before and after. Um but I don't I haven't revisited it to see if if it looks off to me. It's fucking so off, man. Wow. And here's the thing, like, and then you get the Leo, 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 Steve Leoloha yeah. silent issue, 
And it's like you go from a three to a ten visually for that issue. Now he was no, wasn't that Russ Heath? No, no, it was a plot breakdowns by Hama with uh, finishes by Aloha. The silent issue with issue twenty one. Yeah, motherfucker. Okay, and it's just absolutely like it's just jaw dropping. It's so tight, and it looks and feels like <laughs> what the cartoon should have looked and felt like if they had yeah. a bigger budget. Yeah. And I just thought, man, and that's like what I remember when I think back on it. But like, you know, I mean, again, at Vosburgh, I'm sure it was on a tight. It was just it was rushed, man. Like there was just a lot of shortcuts. Yeah, it was licensed and, property, and, and and you know, GI Joe, little kid me, who was just obsessed with the toys and the cartoon, didn't notice those shortcuts. But now I look back and I'm like, oh. My man didn't didn't feel like spending more than twenty minutes on this panel, right? Yeah, you know, type of thing. Um, and and it's have... not at the expense of like the nostalgia. Like I'm still enjoying the hell out of rereading it. And then once I get a bigger chunk out, we'll talk about. It. Like I, because I'm I'm really I'm hoping that I I'm in, I am hoping to enjoy it enough that I can get through like at least the first hundred issues and just like because it's been I'm I probably I guess I've read maybe like thirty issues already, but it's and they're quick. You know, I mean, I'm not. Oh yeah, I'm not like digging into like a book of the month. I'm I'm kind of pretty. These are not. Uh, complex plots by and large so it's you know you don't need to you know you don't need to dissect every every uh word and every panel with any great springfield used to freak me out man i i i would um because this was even before like i realized the simpsons i mean before the simpsons but but you know simpsons of course take place in springfield and and it it, it didn't dawn on me because i wasn't a geography nerd that like you know there's Mm -hmm. springfield in pretty much every fucking state and and i'm like you know and because it's it's a marvel comic and and they're all in honest to God, actual locations, whether it's Manhattan or Westchester, mm-hmm. unlike DC with Central or Coast. So, um, you know, I'm trying to figure out where Springfield is, and and the whole mystery with who Cobra Commander is, and and it just th- those early issues kind of they just took me for a ride, it, and it was. Um, at but time, your mind plays tricks on you though, because like that's what I'm getting at. Like like you don't like you don't meet even most of the characters we most obs- like. We most associate with GI Joe now for a long time. Like, like the, the first year and a half is basically just like Hawk. grunt, right? Okay, yeah, Hawk, Hawk uh, yeah, grunt, Scarlet, rock and roll, um, rock and roll. Uh, Stalker is like the he's he's pretty much like yep, the field yep. leader. Um, you Snake know, no du- uh, Snake Eyes, of course, but no Duke. You know, yep. like no no Lady J, no shipwreck. Yeah, we meet we meet Lady J. I think in issue sixteen. She comes in. Um, no, Cover Girl we meet in issue 16, rather. All right, no Lady J, no Flint, no Duke. No, I mean, like, you, you meet Gung Ho, maybe, like, issue 12. Um, you meet Torpedo, like, issue 14. So they work them in, but it's like, you know, I mean, like, you think about the cartoon. I mean, like, you don't. we don't meet Roadblock. We don't meet Shipwreck. Yep. I mean, like, the guys that are kind Snow of the staples job. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's bizarre. And then on the even on the Cobra side, I mean, like, the villains are, like, there's, like, there's like this uh, Doctor Venom, and uh, you know, and, and like these these the ones that weren't even every toys. Um, so it's just basically Cobra Commander and Baroness, and then Destro comes in in the second year. Um, but even I mean, but that's it. I mean, that's it for uh, two years into the comic. You, the only three named Cobra baddies are Baroness, Destro, and 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 Cobra Commander. Uh, so it's kind of weird. Like I don't remember that it was such a slow build. You know, I just I remember it being like this. 
this I guess like the Devil's Due version where they're all already established and it's like okay we're gonna take this crew for this mission and this crew for this mission and uh, it it is it's weird revisiting it because because my I would never have remembered it that way I would have just assumed that almost every that at least that first that first generation of of the toys were all on the in the comic right from the start and they definitely were not yeah I I I wonder if. Like to me, Roadblock is like like he's one of them. Like I, I, if I were to name, and I think I did make a video about this last year for the patrons. I like Roadblock to me is a top five GI Joe. Like he's in every comic. Is he category. really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, for sure. I mean, to me, he's he he far he he well he sailed past rock and roll in terms of importance in the comics. Yeah, right? yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, but like I don't even know when he comes in. I because I, it hasn't happened yet. You know. Uh, did was it the um. Did he show up in the yearbook, or did he actually come in before the yearbook? I don't know. I didn't read the yearbook again, so because um, I remember the Michael Golden covers for 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 one of the yearbooks, either the first or second yeah. issue. But yeah. um, but like Vosper drew like he drew, he drew snake eyes, like basically just a dude in like a black jumpsuit. Like, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. You know. I remember that. I, I I think I'm 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 wondering if it probably isn't until. Maybe close to the thir- it, it probably isn't until um, Zartan shows up with the Dreadnoughts, and and that's probably when 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 things really. I'm curious to know if that's when things kind of maybe start picking up some momentum and and storylines get a little um, a little. I don't want to say detailed, but 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 mm-hmm. more intricate and and um, not just throwaway done in one stories that you know. Or, there are plot lines in the background that that are going to lead mm-hmm. up to something, but for the most part, the story is kind of a throwaway tale. Um, but I, you know, I, 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 I think that might also tie into when you get characters like Tomax and Zaymon and and oh god, and, yeah, and Zartan's yeah. sister, and and I mean, now we're just coming out with a bunch of characters. But I mean, yeah, for the longest time, there were no. It was just Cobra Commander, and then and then it got silly with Serpentor, and and I mean I remember yeah the Cobra Blood. Law stuff got silly. I mean I mean yeah yeah but I remember I remember I remember the GI Joe movie when uh, when they turned Cobra Commander into a Cobra Law and he had all the eyes and stuff and you know, that kind of <laughs> so we do have um, a book of the month this month we do and the uh, the the poll is open till. Sunday afternoon. Yes. Uh, so this will be. I will be posting this to, to Facebook and to um, and to Twitter because it. Um, we've we we've gotten a bunch of votes and and I, I was watching it when it went live and and I was a little surprised to see how things were starting off at first and second place and and then things were uh, some some books were getting jumped around and and people were taking votes to put them here and and it, it's it's the been battle interesting. right now. It really is, and I'm I'm there's there's one book I'm really really anxious to read. Um, there's one book that I think people are voting for it uh, for sentimental reasons, which is absolutely fine. But um, it's it's uh, it, it because it's September um, and because everybody was kind of busy. I, uh, I I I called an audible and I just says okay we'll we'll, we'll do it it's, it's we'll do my birthday month I'll just pick books and 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 we'll we'll have our book of the month um, nominees which include 
Black Panther by Christopher Priest. <laughs> by Christopher Priest. The Complete Collection Volume 1 now now disclicks the first 17 issues, but the, uh, the the goal is to at least read The Client, which is the first arc, and that's, that's five issues. So, um, However, I say it's The Complete Collection because you can get these issues, these single issues, the priest run of Black Panther, and so many more Black Panther titles. When he took over Daredevil... The Jack Kirby basically go to comicsology.com, type in Black Panther, look up single issues or look up series. No, no trades, no collections, and just add everything that says free in your cart. You are going yep. to end up with hundreds of comic books in your comicsology library. Uh, so even if, even if the Black Panther book doesn't win this time, and even if some of these other arcs. I mean, I'd love to talk about Doom War, but even if any of these other arcs never get nominated for Book of the mm-hmm. Month, at least you will have them and you'll be able to read them at your leisure because there's still going to be some very enjoyable comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, continuing, Booster Gold, The Big Fall, which is the hardcover collecting the first 12 issues of the Dan Jerkins character. Uh, Border Worlds by Don Simpson. Brack Pack by Rick Veach. Clandestine Classic by Alan Davis uh, and Mark Farmer and company. Flaming Carrot Omnibus Volume 1, Global Frequency by Warren Ellis and a bunch of folks. Miss Tree Volume 1, The Punisher, Welcome Back Frank, Superman Panic in the Sky, and Trinity, the Matt Wagner tale of uh, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. So those are your 11 choices for this month. You can vote until Sunday afternoon, and uh, and we will announce the winner when we return um, to uh, to discuss the book that wins um, probably the twenty fourth, unless we come back before, or well, maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll record the episode on October first. That's a Thursday. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But yeah, so there's there's your nominees. Get to patreon.com slash eleven one one o'clock comics and uh, log in and. Make your pick. Yes, sir. So, who did you open up your present? I did not. I did not. I didn't want to do that with Sean here, and 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 it said. Why didn't you open it yesterday? Yesterday was your birthday. Well, because yes, it was. But 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 you asked if if I would rather just wait to open it on the show. Um, yeah, I, but then I felt bad because I was like, I thought we would do it before the, your birthday, but then your birthday came. So, good wrapping. So well, what have yeah. uh, what have you been reading? Uh, GI Joe, really, honestly, I mean, I, I mean, that, I read just a ton of GI Joe this week, mostly, um, and I read actually, um, uh, I read because um, it was, I mean, my Regina piles out of hand again, but I, I got in one of my recent DCBS shipments the first, the Empowered Omnibus. Oh, okay. Adam Warren's yep. Empowered. Yep. I had read the first few volumes of that um, at some other point years ago and enjoyed it, but just just didn't didn't keep with it or didn't go back to it. But uh, it's a really nice job. It's 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 pretty meaty. It's I don't even know how many volumes it collects, but it's um, collects some powered volumes one, two, and three. There you go. Um, and uh, it's a blast. It's it's just fun and sexy and but like you know, it's as you know, it's 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 titillating. For those that don't know, Empowered is is a um, 
Adam Warren is an American creator, but it's it's created it's it's essentially an American manga. I mean, in terms of its style, it's it's he's he's a he's an American manga artist. Is what I'm trying to say. He's very much he, he intentionally evokes that style um, um, and that motif, and in in that type of of shoujo, it's a shoujo type of manga where the main character is is she is a young, bubbly, energetic, blonde woman who you gets, a, <laughs> gets a gets a blonde I mean gets a super suit and she's a superhero with the suit, but as the suit gets destroyed or tattered, she loses her powers and that is basically the premise of the story because in most battles her suit starts getting tattered and so you start seeing some very risque uh, innuendo uh, and scantily clad scenery, but she also is then put in precarious positions, and it gets pretty sexy. I mean, at one point, she, her boyfriend, who's a a, a, a villainous henchman, um, you know, like there's a scene where he's like shaving her pubic area. Like it, there, there's it's definitely sexy in the same way that it's not overtly sexy, like Menage a Three, you know, like where it's actual sex acts and talk of sex acts, but. But it's as close to that. It's 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 a highly titillating, dare I say, silly story. But it has heart, and and I mean, she's very engaging. As are the other lead characters, her best friend and her boyfriend, and it's just fun. Um, it can be a little one note, admittedly, um, but I find it fun. And I think he's a fantastic cartoonist, and it uh, it's just very lighthearted and and just the right kind of thing that I was in the mood for uh, this week, given the circumstances. So. Nice. No, that's good. Why? So, what you got there? <laughs> uh, for th- this man, this immediately brought me back to that Slack conversation. Uh, so, in my hand right now is a uh, is a Chris Somney original commission, uh, originally commissioned to Shannon. Um, yes. This was this was on eBay, right? No, no, no. This was part of the virtual con. Uh, oh right, 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 right. Okay, um, and yeah, and, and and I'm sorry. It is. It's it's a it's a Chris Somney commission of our characters of our friends from Nexus. So you have uh, Horatio in full Nexus gear on one side with Judah smacking down the mallet at the um, the carnival uh, strongman uh, game, and um, it is a fantastic composition. It looks great. Everybody's face. I mean, if if someone is going to do Steve Rude characters justice, uh, Chris Somney is is at the top of the list for that. That without a doubt. But yeah, it's at a carnival. It's a fun house behind them. It, it's it's a beautiful looking um, beautiful looking page. Uh, a missing persons for Sundry Peel in the front. No, it's it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Thank you so very Happy much. Happy birthday, boo! Thanks, man. This is awesome. Yeah, man, I, I, it's one of those things. I know we don't always uh, get each other all gifts anymore because uh, we're old and stuff. But I, I just, like you said, there was the virtual con, and uh, I, I mentioned to you on the Slack that day because I was, I didn't see much during the virtual con that that floated my boat. And then I'm flipping through, and I saw that page and I or that commission and thought, well, Christ, this is tailor made for DAP. I mean, it's 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 Somni who's his boo. <laughs> It's a Somni fully rendered commission, which he doesn't even do anymore. And if he does, it's absolutely, I mean, it's over a thousand dollars at minimum. I mean, I'd like to, and I don't even know if he'll do them these days, really. He just does kind of single character. And then it was your boy, it was your boys from Nexus. And I thought, well, shit, like, 
So I hit you up, you know, because we were on the Slack talking about the art and stuff, and I hit you up, and and uh, I wasn't at all surprised because you're you are not impulsive. You're anti. You're the antithesis of impulsive. <laughs> so I knew you were like, oh, uh, you know, I, I was like, you got to get this, and of course I knew before. I knew as I was saying, you got to get this, that you were not going to get this. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? I'm like, he's not going to get this for himself. Uh, I'm like, and this is just, it would, it would hurt my heart for someone. It, no, I would be okay if someone else that loved Somni or Nexus bought it. But I was thinking, you know what? This is one of those things where, because it's so hard to get a Somni commission now, like Albert or someone's going to buy it and, and then, put it in his gallery and yeah. sell it for five times that to someone in a year and it's going to break my heart. So I reached out to the guy almost immediately after posting it in the Slack and said, Hey, if this is still available, I'll take it. And, uh, I was kind of like half hoping you're right back. Like, Oh, sorry. You know, this guy, David claimed it already, but I knew that wasn't going to be the case. And he was like, no, it's yours. And I think great. So I've been sitting on, it was sitting in my closet for months, but, uh, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. So, Oh, thanks. I, well, and like you said, it, it's, we, the, the the theme of 2020 and and as you mentioned it to Sean and 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 to Sean and his artist friends appreciate that but it, it 2020 is is the if anything good is going to come out of this it's it's the year of treat yourself and and it's you know if 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 you can um if you're able to i mean aside from supporting creators um and since there are no conventions that that you're going to be able to run out and uh and commission anybody for, um, then, then yeah, then, then, uh, jump on that when, um, when you can, especially this year so that there is some, some good in the world, but, um, this is fantastic. I know exactly where it's going. So that's why anybody who they'll, the office will see it tomorrow on the, um, in the meetings. So it'll be right behind me. Um, but I love it. Thank you so much. Of course, man. And, and, uh, other things I love, um, the uh, Daniel Govar daily sketches arrived this week. Nice, and it is uh, it's it's bigger than I it's bigger than than the prototype he showed us at New York last year. Slightly uh, bigger, oh, not okay. not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still square bound. It still looks great. Um, mm-hmm. But I I thought I mean maybe he had to blow it up for for production. But I think I I I remember I remember the the little square bound book he was showing us being being a little smaller. But I still love it. it it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. No, I have mine too. I didn't. I didn't notice the the, the size difference. But uh, yes, I do. I have my copy as well. Um, and yeah, and and uh, and shout out to um, Jim Whiting for uh, sending the latest issues of of Margie. Um, yes, thank you for my. Yeah, thank you for reminding me that because I I uh, this week has been a whirlwind, so I yes. forgot to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's it's. Um, yeah, and I, I I got my DCBS box, and and it it um had a couple things in there that I plan on reading real soon. But yeah, I didn't I didn't get to read um a whole lot this weekend. There was um I did I I was I I didn't realize that I didn't finish um Arkham Manor, which Jerry Duggan wrote and and Sean illustrated um for DC a while ago. And uh, it's fine. I mean, we didn't, we didn't talk about any of his projects really, but, um, I finished that. That was, that was a cool story. And after I finished it, um, I, uh, I put one of the pages from it, um, in my wish list on, uh, essential site. So I might, I might treat nice. myself and, and, and end up getting that. But, um, yeah, I didn't, uh, there wasn't, it was weird. It wasn't a, um, 
wasn't a, a reading heavy weekend. A weekend was kind of a blur, actually, now that I think about it. But um, yeah, the only thing I read uh, that I really enjoyed um, was uh, We Only Find Them When They're Dead by Al Ewing and um, Simona DeMeo uh, yes. by Boom Studios. And it is. Um, it, it's it's a gorgeous looking book and and I like the um I like the concept I like the idea behind it um these the, these these ships uh that are um captained and manned by small crews but they um they 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 go out into space and basically almost like celestials um they they uh they harvest they they divvy up sections of of um these dead godlike beings and um and that's basically um the, the gist of the first issue is is we're watching one team go through the process of this but at the same time as they're doing it i i appreciate the way ewing kind of paced it out where we're getting some insight and um some some small background because they want you to keep coming back of of the this four person crew specifically the captain and and um and who he's dealt with in his life but i um i'm 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 definitely in for uh for the next few issues at least like i said it it it's it's a gorgeous looking book um but i really really do like uh do like the concept i like the idea of it a lot and uh color assist by marisa maria sara miati and um between simone's and and maria sara's i don't know who does I, I i don't know it's color assist so i don't know how far um the mayo goes into uh the art and, and, and where Miata um, comes in. But, but from what I'm seeing, they, they work really, really well together. But yeah, I, um, I was really happy with this first issue. Mm. Nice. Simona de Mayo is definitely blowing up. I mean, uh, um, killed it on the power Rangers for a few years and uh, is the new artist on uh, the new champions book uh, with uh, e-viewing writing it. No relation. No relation. That's right. That's why I said right. Okay. Because yeah. Because the champions book is is um is tying into the 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 outlawed event for the for, yeah, for young yeah, heroes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that was the only thing I really got to read. But yeah, so so it was. It's 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 been um. It's been a crazy week for sure. Yeah, most definitely, man. Most definitely, but. Uh... But it is what it is, man. We soldier on. We have to. Nothing to it but to do it. There you go. I got to say, I'm pretty excited that I'm falling into the trap of um, of, of re- renumbering a book because I was so smitten by what I saw of the Power Rangers comics with that TMNT tie-in that um, in this month's previews, they're, they're relaunching two Power Rangers books, number ones, and yes. I'm, all, I'm all aboard. Yeah. I'm sure, it's only a matter of time before they cross over. It's weird. I don't. I. Yeah. I, I don't. The 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 
one book is called Power Rangers, but the other book is called Mighty Morphin. And I don't know. And again, right. and I, I explained this to Arnie, our friend Arnie, because um, he's a Power Rangers mark. And I, I just missed the cutoff for me it was batman the animated series uh when i would get home from school but i just right. i i couldn't get into mighty Morphin power rangers and i don't know i don't know if it was the effects i don't know if it was it, it if it was the the importing of this i don't know if it was um i i i think it was an age thing i think i just i just missed the age cutoff of who who this was catered to and who ate it up with a, with, with a massive spoon and um and i love everybody who, who loves it because it's it it seems to have attracted a lot of people who we know and 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 turned him on to other things so it looked like it was a cool gateway um but as an outsider as someone who's not familiar with with the franchise too much except for to know that they're all in colors um I don't know how I feel about one book because it's always been one name for me. So it's weird to see Mighty Morphin as the name of of a title, um, unless that's all it is. That that's just that's just the name of a book. It's got nothing to. Do. They don't run around calling themselves Mighty Morphin. They're, they're they're still Power Rangers. It's just it's it's a weird visually. It's weird for me to just see that as the title of a book. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see, man. Like as with. Transformers and GI Joe is a very good chance that I won't stick with it because I don't I don't stick around if I'm not totally vibing with it. But I'm gonna get I'm hope I'm hopeful. Nice because I've heard those comics have always been great. It's just I don't like you said I I much like you I don't have enough of a tie to the source material that I wanted to dive in. But uh, but but I, yeah, I was really impressed with like Ryan Parrott as a writer and 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 it seems like they have a bevy of of uh, of really talented artists on the book. So yeah, why not? Nice. So are we doing any of your travels, or was that pretty much it? Uh, I mean, do you, it sounds like you don't have anything else for I, I really don't. I, I started, um, I, I, I sat down with uh, the last two issues of, of Legion, which I was going to start, and then the fourth the book of um, The Question of Deaths of Vic Sage, which I'll, I'll have for next week. Uh, and also what came in the box was um, the uh, second volume of... Gabriel and uh, Karina's Green Lantern. So I'm, I, I, I got her yes. with that for next week. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll do a quick one just because it's been on my list for a bit of time, and I want to, I want to kind of get it off the list before it, it, it I don't want to not ever speak on it. Um, and that is, um, I like many backed our good friend Jim Rugg's latest Kickstarter, which was oh, for yes. yeah, his book Octobriana, nineteen seventy six. And um, it was billed on the Kickstarter, I believe, as the first ever fully Dayglow comic book. I don't know if that is true. I'm imagining, though, Jim is so meticulous with his history of comics that he wouldn't say it was if it wasn't true. But uh, listen, I, I nobody that listens to our show needs me to explain what I think of Jim Rugg and his work. Aphrodisiac was my favorite comic of last decade when we did our list of favorite comics from last decade. So uh, I don't know how you can get much better than saying it was uh, that he did the work that was my favorite thing I read in a decade. But um, so I'm, I would and I very much enjoyed everything he's done some subsequent to that. So I had no doubt I would enjoy this for what it was too. And uh, and it was it was awesome, man. It was it, it's it's 
you know, the great thing about Jim is that um, he's as, as obsessive with the packaging and the form factor, everything from the font to the to the bleed to the size of the book, right? Like he just he everything is 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 planned. There's there's it's it's not just I'm going to make you a 22 page pamphlet and and draw some cool shit. Like it's he he's meticulous. He thinks about it from a graphic design perspective. He thinks about it from a font perspective. It's just the whole thing is just wonderfully meticulously put together as as a as a as a whole. And this one is no different. Um, Octobriana is, um, I didn't know this in, until reading the book. I, I, he did not create the idea of Octobriana. I, I was unaware of that. Octobriana is a, a Russian folk hero, uh, like a freedom fighter folk hero that he reimagined for this Blacklight comic. And um, it is the story essentially of a female uh Russian freedom fighter who kicks all kinds of ass and shoots all kinds of things and it's over the top. It's it's very evocative of the kind of indie comics that we've praised from guys like Bayer and uh, you know and, and Michelle FIFA and 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 um hell even even our boy Tony Esmond and with what he's been doing you know with with of late like it's it's that kind of vibe it's just silly unapologetically over the top 80s style big guns and 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 bloodshed and 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 just zaniness uh and it also happens to be dayglow and blacklighted <laughs> um which is now I admittedly I haven't looked at it in 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 the dark yet with a black light, so I need to do that, and it'll probably be a whole another experience. So just on the basis of its of its standing as a quote unquote regular comic, it was terrific. Not surprised at all. Um, I'm sure many people listening have already got their copies too. But yeah, thought it was great, man. It was a lot of fun, and um, I just don't think Jim has a bad comic in him. I don't think he knows how to make <laughs> bad comics. I think you're right. Yeah. So, in your travels, Octobriana, nineteen seventy-six. Awesome. And I, I think I could even—I assume you could buy it other ways. Like, I don't know if uh, it is. I saw it last month in previews. Beautiful. There you go. And there was something else I recently saw. Um. Oh, and you can get it from Madhouse actually directly. That, right. Okay. Yeah. That cool. that that was under it was under that that um, it was under Christmas. Oh, and neat. Right. There's a black and white version. There is a retro version, and then the main blacklight version. So that's cool. Yeah. Awesome. I think I'm going to dig into this weekend if I, I if I have time because I've watched almost no TV in the last three four weeks. It's been weird, but. Um, so I have some things built up, but I'm going to try and dive into the uh, the uh, Lovecraft joint. Yes, it so. is. Every every single episode has it. I mean, it's it's so well done. Where you're, I am on the edge of my seat as 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 our heroes um, mm-hmm. go through all this. But uh, every episode there is there is a laugh out loud moment, and and it's not it's not intentionally funny. It's just the way it's just the way the characters are. Um, are delivering those lines and and how how stressed they are in a situation and and how that's just how 
that that's the outlet. That's that's how they they process it or deal with it or or um, engage or, or yell back. Um, it's there, there's there's something in in every episode to date, and I I absolutely love the fact that um, somebody who who was such a um, such a racist and and his 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 properties or ideas are 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 being used um to show that uh black people as as the heroes of the story uh it it's 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 i can only hope he's spinning in his grave but it's um it's such a fantastic show and, and there have been times where i thought my wife was going to maybe tap out and and tell me i can go on with it on my own but the characters are so because there are especially in the first couple episodes there there are things that happen where um depending on how you've grown up and where you've been uh things are going to make you very angry and and um it's there are moments that happen that again depending on what you've been through in your life uh may hit close to home and 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 you don't necessarily want to see that in your entertainment so um but she's she's it's not really something we'll watch before we call it a night but it's mm-hmm. it's it's she's she's uh she's still sticking with it with me so so we're we're enjoying that and then to lighten things up uh we started watching Ted Lasso which is an Apple TV show uh with Jason Sudeikis as a um as a Kansas State football coach who has been hired by a um by a, a soccer team in the UK to uh, to put them on a winning streak and 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 bring them from um, from from the bottom rung and uh, it's 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 really funny because I'm not you know I, I think the last time I watched anything that really had to do with sports was maybe first and ten on HBO back in the day mm, Jesus. Uh, yeah so I don't I mean I don't I'm not. Oh no 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 that's not true. Um, uh, Brockmire I thought was really funny, but um, this is I, neither one of us watch soccer and and, and I heard it's very funny. I it really is, funny. and and it's um, I think it's really well done. But yeah, there's there's that. The boys second season started last week. Um, that they didn't drop the entire season. Uh, I think they dropped the first yeah, couple of I episodes. Know. I, I fell asleep during the first episode, but not because the episode wasn't fun, just because I was tired and I yeah. So I got to watch it because I, I literally fell asleep for like twenty minutes of it. But yeah, so there there, there are a couple things um, that we're just trying to find time to. But but there are there are a lot of th- it, 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 but like the boys, I don't know. Um, I don't know if she's going to make it through the mm-hmm. entire second season. So, uh, I, but because th- they're. Because the way the world is right now, there are just it, it. It's okay to want something bright and uh, and cheerful. When, when, when definitely, you, man. So I don't begrudge anybody anything. <laughs> the boys is not that, but it's still, uh, it's it's still very well done and an entertaining show. Um, yep. But yeah, so that's that's basically it. So yeah, I mean, we're just it's. It, it, I mean, everything's trying to go back to normal. Where uh, our the school classes are in session. The only classes on campus are those in, in the nursing department and a couple of the labs where you actually do need to physically be there. Um, 
but you know we're just trying to get um get acclimated for the rest of the semester and see where things go I, the college is still in the first phase so you can only have up to 300 and some odd people on campus at one time and uh the next phase probably won't happen. Some people are guessing until sometime in November. So I mean, I don't I don't know when I'll step foot in my office again this year. But mm -hmm. everything else is just kind of we're trying to treat everything else as normal as we can, yeah which I think a lot of people are. It's just those who can anyway. But yeah, it's it's and and I just I just pray that uh, we get we we get something changing uh, after the first Tuesday in November. absolutely dude And so that's it for this week, uh, for this episode, for for, for six ninety five, sans events, and um, we will be back as soon as possible. Uh, this episode was Yep. brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Uh, Yep. you can order your September books right now. The site has uh, your September previews codes available. Um, I am. Uh, I'm almost done with my previews read through, so I should have my video up soonish um, for our patrons. But I don't have the list of specials. I don't know if Vince had one ready. Um, that wasn't. I missed that interoffice memo, so I didn't get that. But uh, but that's that's who brought this episode to you this week, as well as Mr. Sean Crystal, because um, without him, uh, this episode would not have been as entertaining as it is. This was. Dude, it's a stupid, dumb, big month for me on DCBS. Is it really? Oh my god, so many good things. <laughs> there So are. many good things. I didn't. I... So many omnibus, so many collected editions. It's dumb. There were a couple of collected editions. I, I I was I was checking out. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's um. Got the fourth volume of, and fourth and final volume of November. Got, uh, which I can't wait for. Got, uh, it's, you know, because of the COVID, you got these weird things where, like, issue number two of Colonel Weird Cosmogog is solicited, but Yes. the whole trade is solicited. You got the Skull Digger and Skeleton Boy trade that's resolicited because my pre ordered the last time, but I guess that was canceled. So this is, but also the final six, the sixth of six issues is also solicited. You've got, The final issue of X-ray Robot. You've got, um, yeah, man. Like, there's, there's just a lot of great stuff. There's like three Marvel Omnibus I'm getting, I think. The Milo Um, Minar Definitive Collection. yep. Um, Uh, the, the the Sweet Tooth Return. Jeff Lemire's going back Yes, to Sweet Tooth. Um, yeah, with the black label. so uh, you know, I talked about this last month. The Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn, which is uh, drawn by Teo. So I got to get that. Uh, you got the Lock and Key Sandman, Yeah. much anticipated crossover. Um, yeah, dude, just a big month, man. It's 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 no joke. Are you getting... I, I don't know if he's outgrown it by now. Are you getting the... Uh... The Grumpy Cat collection for your little man. Nah, nah, he's he's Okay. he's yeah, he's not not doing it as much as anymore. They're collecting the uh, the Sumerian issues. Getting that, getting Is that that hardcover? Yep. Yeah, so I'm getting the. Well, there's so, uh, so they're resoliciting some. They're resoliciting the Captain America, Jack Kirby Omnibus, which I have already. I'm getting, and you're probably going to throw up in your mouth, the Avengers Gathering Omnibus. Um, Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> because I can't say no. I know. Um, 
They've resolicited the X-Men Claremont Jim Lee Volume 2 Omnibu. Yeah. But I already have that. They are doing a Dan Slott Tony Stark Iron Man Omnibu, which is a hard pass for me. Um, they've got the second Ohatmu Omnibu, this time the Deluxe Edition. The Deluxe, edition. yeah. Got to have that. They're putting a, a, an X-Men Inferno Omnibu. Got to have that. Um, and then I'm actually getting a couple hardcover collections, I think. I'm going to get the... I'm going to get the Jason Aaron and the Chip Zdarsky Daredevil and Avengers runs. I know you're excited about those. Um, yep. So, uh, oh, the Shadow Batman hardcover is out this month. The Riley Rosmo. That is Shadow Riley Rosmo. Okay, all right. Because yep. I know that um, Dynamite did theirs, and, and it was a different um, creative team. Oh, shit. Wait, really? Oh, man, that might be this one. Hold on. It's in the Dynamite section. I just assumed... Oh, so you're saying this? Is, oh, this isn't that one. I don't know. Let me see. Hold on. I'm gonna have to double check because then I'm not gonna order it. Uh, Vampirella, Vampirella. It's called Shadow Batman hardcover. Shadow Batman. Uh, yeah. You want to just save me uh sixteen dollars and twenty four cents? Is it in this one? Those are statues. Hold the on. The art of Vampirella. Mars Attacks, Nancy Drew. Some of us use this thing called the interwebs. There's you go to a website and actually type it in. That's amazing. No, oh, it's amazing. There's the Nick Gators. Oh, you're right, dude. It's the Steve Orlando Giovanni Timpano. There you go. Oh, I'm hard, hard past. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect to Steve Orlando. He's no, but that's not what you wanted. Right, yeah. You seat. wanted the Batman Shadow book. Yeah. Uh, Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers, like you said. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of single issues, but that, that is what it is. Uh, An umpteenth printing of Welcome Back Frank. Just well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was, was there any, um... There's an anthology I'm getting called Maybe Someday Stories of Promise, Visions of Hope. Oh, I think uh, I have that marked too. Because it's like about uplifting stories, which I wanted. Yes. Uh, a couple books from Fanta. Indeed, Q, like, I Want You, Contradictions, 19. Um, I'm getting the Complete Hate hardcover collection by Pete Bag. Hey, yeah, the I'm price kind of threw me off on that, but I, I, what is, do you know what um, DCBS has it for? Yeah, it's it's uh, 35% off. It's seventy seventy seven ninety nine, seventy eight dollars $78. Um, and what else here? Oh, uh, a pretty cool Humanoids book. Uh, I think it was Humanoids. It could have been actually, oh, no, it's um it's not. It's actually Magnetic. Uh, Paris twenty one nineteen. I backed that. Uh, that was oh, um, okay. that was that that was the that was the Kickstarter where I went off on um, because there are some. We know that there are publishers that uh, will do a Kickstarter and then two months later you'll see it in previews with absolutely no no change, n- nothing nothing different other than the fact that you know I back something that now other people can get for cheaper. Whereas yeah. with Magnetic, though, because they are a smaller publisher and they can use the money from Kickstarter mm-hmm. to produce future work, um, I was more than happy, especially after just reading Ghost Money, I was more than happy to back this. And anybody who backed it, I mean, the the perks, the swag, the the extras you're getting. Right, right. It was insane. We're getting a soundtrack. We're getting mm-hmm. we're getting a coin. I was just like, I'm all about it. But yes, the fact that now it's mm-hmm. in previews and, and other people can read it, I'm happy about. So yeah, I definitely recommend that. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Um I think that's it, yeah, because we're probably going to the manga after that, so let's see. But it's a big one. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I see a lot of pages marked that I wanted to talk about on the video. I'm probably going to get a walk through hell because that's the hardcover. And because and that's that was like the last real thing I enjoyed from Aftershock. Um, and, I, and, and that's a freaky fucking story. There's, yeah, I mean, it, there... I don't know how huge it is. There are some things that that have that seem to have a pretty decent price tag. So I think it's 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 a costly month. I don't know if the quantity is going to. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's it's um. There are a few things. Yeah, I did. I I, I had some things marked in. The, I, I and I went through. I went through DC Connect on my iPad, and I um there were a couple things that. Uh, that I did see, but nothing that um. They're doing a, um, a an '80s era DC collection, which I'm kind of it's it's tempting because that's that's totally right up my alley. And 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 if I don't have a lot of these books anymore, I've I remember reading them when they came out. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's one thing that. Um, Kind of caught my eye, but but I know yeah you, know, you, you have to transmit book four trade oh the second volume of uh, your super friends yeah it, yeah I don't know if I'm gonna get the second volume because like I thought like the I I feel like I get it like the first volume was cool and okay. I enjoyed it but like I don't I, I'm not left wondering what happens next you know okay type of thing yeah the flash by so Jeff that'd be Jones. like one of those things where like if I see it at a con for like yes you know, I got you yeah yeah I mean hundred percent I, I feel like yeah. Um, continuing Jeff Johns run on the flash with that omnibus. Yeah. DC through the eighties, the end of eras hardcover. Um, it's, it's, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, it, it's, it, it's $50 retail hardcover. I don't know some of these issues. You can definitely get in the back issue bins for for pretty cheap, but I mean to be able to sit down and read Brave and the Bold two hundred again and 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 a good chunk of these flash books. I don't know it. That's that's a thought. Um, and and there um, there's your hundred hundred bullets omnibus, uh, volume one, collecting the first fifty eight issues, and the story from Vertigo Winter's Edge number three. So it's it's one hundred fifty dollars retail for. Thirteen hundred and seventy-six pages. Oof. That's 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 a big one. And and the final issue of uh, Young Justice bowing out with number twenty. That's right. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 it'll be an interesting month once I figure out how everything falls. But um, there's there seems to be a few things to uh, to talk about and to make note of, bring attention to on uh, on our previous videos. Yes, I need to do that as well. All right, boo. Peace all right, folks. Dude. Thanks for joining us. We will be back, hopefully, all together soonish. Of course. Bye, y'all. See you. That's it for that one. <laughs>